You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp and SwordChomp.com. We know life is precious and your time is valuable, so thank you for making our show a part of your day. Hopefully we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit. The Chompcast gives you double life experience points. Every show is streaming and downloadable at SwordChomp.com and, of course, iTunes, Spotify, nearly every major podcast outlet out there. Head over and give us a five-star rating if you use iTunes uh, and subscribe wherever you get uh, your podcasts. You know, it helps us rise up the charts a little bit, and we can meet new listeners and new chompers, if you will. And if you're feeling really frisky and you enjoy the show, patreon.com slash swordchomp. Pump that a little bit more later. Uh, We got a lot to get to today. The loose ends are dangling, if you will, and we're here to tie them up. That's my uh, theme of the show. Tidying up our final thoughts on Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal after three weeks of plunder, a patron of ours coerced me to try Doom 64. So I have some impressions there. Um, The Royal We, more like the Royal P. That's right, Persona 5 Royal Edition gets an early breakdown from Rich, the Rich Meister, a man who claims Persona 5 was his game of the year in 2017. He claims. I don't really (laughs) think that's a claim. It just, it was. You know, I just like to use the term claim. Find out everything that is new and relevant in his eyes on the Persona 5 Royal. It's kind kind of a sneaky release a little bit. Um, you voted on some interesting poll topics to discuss this week, like the timing and reviews of the Resident Evil 3 remake, which we have some early impressions on, the motherfucking Tiger King, and how it continues to dominate Netflix, the real-life stringfish, we get to talk about that with one of our resident biologists, a little bit of old-school bio break uh, shades there, eluding Animal Crossing players all over the world, the stringfish, um, is, of course, based on a real fish. We'll talk about it. Plus, I finally platinum Death Stranding after about four months. And, of course, the psychology and appeal about crafting in video games is the topic of the show. The psychology and appeal of crafting in video games is the topic of the show. I've been researching this quite a bit this week, and I promise it's going to be hopefully uh, insightful and interesting for uh, for us to discuss. So um, let's get to some intros. We have a fun show to get to today, guys. I am I'm pretty happy to be here. Looking forward. You know, been we're all cooped up in quarantine. Rich is here from New York, the Rich Meister. Uh, so this is where I get a lot of my adult conversation because it's either children or my wife yelling at me. Um, By what you so, mean, sexual? Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to yell at me today, are you, Rich? I'm, nah, uh, I don't I think can't. so. Okay. I'm pretty exhausted. I had a rough day. Okay. Mm. Oh, you had a rough day. Okay. Do you need to elaborate on that, or is it... uh, I mean, I could briefly touch upon it. Um, you you know, I'm still at work, working full time at my day job, at my office. Um, and you know what really makes uh, working in the middle of this all that more frustrating? When you wake up in the morning and you haven't been paid, and it's Friday, and when you ask why you haven't been paid, everyone in your office kind of goes, ah. <laughs> And you spend the entire day being frustrated uh, until about 15 minutes before you're about to leave uh, where uh, I'm supposed to work tomorrow. And I say, well, somebody better give me a fucking answer or you can find somebody else to work tomorrow, at which point they just cut me a check right there. Really? Holy shit. Fuck you, man. That's crazy. Well, um, I'm sorry to hear that, um, but I am glad that they cut you the check. (laughs) I'm glad you got it. Uh, eventually, but damn. 
Yeah. <sighs> well, you've been soothing. I mean, you've been playing your Persona Five fanatic, and you've been able to soothe that. You know, some of your stress this week. We were talking about Persona Five a lot. This so week. many we games. Had, we we have the we have the same boo, on. We were both yeah, on on Takami. Yeah. Um. So we can talk a little bit about our dating uh, simulation uh, antics. To be yeah. honest with you, I mean, like, that was my first play. Second playthrough, I was all about the goth doctor. Me, t- me too! All right. Maybe we do have the same taste in women. The goth doctor all the way. Although I think I must have fucked something up because uh, I remember not being able to consummate properly. So That's, That sounds par for the course. Is Yeah, no. <laughs> Batting a thousand. Oh, batting a thousand. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Josh. That was Joshua Fowler chiming in so gracefully from Michigan. <laughs> batting a fucking thousand. Uh, Josh, I'm glad you're here today. Um, it's been a crazy week, man. Like, uh, you were, dude, you stream for like, we were giving you shit. You're an animal. You stream for like six straight hours or something. Uh, what was it? It was like 14 hours on Wednesday. Jesus <laughs> So no, that's no good, man. Yeah, because wow. Shay and I were playing some more groove, and then uh, he had to go sleep because it was middle of the night for him. So I uh, went back to some Vagrant Story because I've been working through that a bunch. Still, how close are you to finishing that up? I could have finished like a week or so ago. I've been in the last dungeon, but I keep getting stuff. It's a strange game. It's like it's it's an RPG, but it's got it keeps giving you like different keys and sigils for doors and stuff that make you want to backtrack through it. Like it's a, uh, like a little Metroid Metroidvania kind of? or something. Yeah. Sure. So I keep finding those and be like, Oh, I know where that door is. And so like, that was all last week. You got, was got the just, completionist bug. Yeah. Like going back. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll find all this stuff and, and doing that. So cool. It's and Chris got a little crafting in there too, in its own way. You cra- So when you go back to those like secret rooms, you're finding stuff too. I assume craft better. Weapons and armor. It's a, right? Otherwise, what's it's the point? It's a weird, uh, weird armor and like just equipment system in that game, um, because you get equipment and weapon drops, mm-hmm. um, and then you combine them, and uh, you can like either combine the same thing to kind of make you know a slightly better version of it, or depending on what type type of items you make or you combine, you can make completely different stuff based off of the stuff you, you, uh, you get just like the, all the other normal drops, which it's, it's funny. Cause like at the beginning of the game, it's like, Oh, it's just, you know, new equipment. I'll just, you know, equip it and move on with my life. And then as you get towards the end, it's like all the stuff that drops is just an ingredient for something else you're going to use to craft better armor later on. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, cool. it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty unique. That was actually in one of the that um articles I sent you guys just kind of just looking up a bunch of shit on people writing about crafting and things like that. Um Vagrant Story was classified as the anything is possible type of crafting. Um mm-hmm. which is it's it's interesting and they kind of go into like you have like blade and grip combinations and stuff like that and there's like thousands of permutations so it's just it's interesting shit. Yeah, Anyways, glad you're here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's bizarre. Sorry. It's just they they got kind of go overboard. Cause it's yeah yeah like yeah so much it's a uh, fun overboard though mm-hmm. um speaking of man overboard I, I don't know that's terrible Shay Layton is here from Japan the professor why would he be man overboard um well actually there's a really inside joke that maybe Shay can tell you guys about um 
his his side podcast. He hasn't done it in a while, but um, remember he had this. He has a side podcast called uh, "Evoking the Sublime," and there was a story about overboard. Do you know what I'm alluding to, Shay? <laughs> I don't remember. You don't remember? Actually, no. Oh. Remind me. So when your first interview you did um, with the creator of Edith Finch, uh, he said that a lot of times throwing away creative ideas is, feels like throwing your babies overboard. Oh, and- yeah. Yes. Okay. I remember that now. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So I was trying to come up with a title for the show, uh, for the whole podcast series, and I was discussing it with the guys, and Morgan thought... <laughs> What do you think? Babies Overboard was a great title for a podcast series. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I liked it. I did like Spo- it. Uh, that's not a good title. No, I, he, no, he's like, dude, I swear by it. I swear, this is. I mean, he gave you the title, and it, he was swearing by it. And I was like, no, this cannot possibly be the title at all. But I'm so glad you made that. Decision. I'm gonna get so many hate listens. I mean, right. I mean, like it had no- eye catching, had yeah. absolutely nothing to do with what I was going for. But Ian Dallas did say something about during the creative process um, when he was making What Remains of Edith Finch that multiple times it was like evoking the sublime. And then that's where the uh, that's where the title of the that podcast series came from. Fun. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Cool secret, hidden secret factoid. For all the chompers out there. Yeah. Um, Way better yeah, than baby yeah. waterboarding yeah, yeah. or whatever it was you said. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I know you played some Cards Against Humanity with uh, with some patrons last night, too. So that's that's Yeah, cool. dude. I've How done did a, that go? I've done it. It was really good. Um, uh, for, let me see. So the Danza, Gilbizi, Matt, and, um, what am I forgetting? Oh, Corn Space. They all showed up. and. This is a really good time, man. We had a ton of fun. Um, we played for a few hours, and then I got on. <laughs> uh, Cy was he was playing some Apex, so I got Matt to come, and him and they and I uh, we played a few games, like two games, and then I was like, I'm hungry, and then I had to dip, and then I ended up getting a phone call, so I ended up not playing with them anymore. But yeah, I've been doing a ton of gaming this week, man. Like Doom Eternal. Like Josh said, we played the new Wargroove DLC, did, did the Cards Against Humanity, did some Apex. It's interesting. It's been a really good week, and that, that Wargroove DLC was a ton of fun, and that stream was hilarious and awesome at the same time. Josh and I, it's really funny because, like, um, and this, this all offense is meant. Uh, one of the one of the uh, viewers was like, "Imagine Josh trying to do this with Morgan, <laughs> like because what, what would happen is like Josh and I like how it works is Josh is doing basically like a couch share, which is a was a function of Steam, and so mm-hmm. I was basically playing through the internet on his game, so to speak, while he was playing, and we each took control of a different faction that were um, allies, and." Basically, how it would work is he would, it would be his turn, and we'd be sitting there like talking through the moves, and then we'd be like like throwing ideas around, being like, "Well, if we do this, this is gonna happen, or this won't happen." And it took us eight hours to get through two battles. Eight we were, hours, <laughs> yeah, to get through two battles because we were talking through everything, and it was weird. It was like because normally, if I was playing that game by myself, I would. 
I would do much less planning. I would do some, but not to the level that him and I were doing it. And it ended up being really, really fun. Yeah. Like him and I were just planning all these strategies and it ended up being a lot more fun that way. I had a ton of fun doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy because it's one of those things where tactics games get pretty involved just doing them yourself and then trying to tell somebody else what you're thinking so you can actually yes. be on the same page. It just takes a long time. Um, it's a huge layer. Yeah, it, it is. It's a huge, huge layer trying to, trying to, you know, just end up doing the same thing together is, uh, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Cool. Well, that sounds like yeah, an interesting it was, experience. It was fun. It was really interesting experiment because obviously Josh and I have very different ways of playing tactics games. So there are times where he would say an idea and I'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, I would do this differently. And then we kind of talked it out and parsed it out. And then maybe we went with Josh's idea or we went with my idea or we talked it out and we came up with a third option and then we'd go with that. And then there were times where, you know, like for me, probably same as him, thought that one move was the best move, didn't see that alternative move that we weren't viewing, and mm -hmm. we kind of rectified our initial thinking. And it was a really, really interesting way to play, and it's kind of like, in a way, an interesting uh science experiment where basically is like throw two guys who love strategy games or tactics games in a room and see how they play differently while being on the same team. And it was... Yeah. I, I thought it was really compelling and fun. Like, if I were to watch, like, you and Rich play a tactics game or, like, some type of co-op game and that. you guys are, like, talking through everything, I would be super intrigued by that. So it was a ton of fun. Like, And I did watch you guys for a little bit myself. You, yeah, you did. You watched. Matt came in. Matt, I think, sat for, like, six of the eight hours and watched us. Not, like, <laughs> straight, but, like, he was in and out watching us for six of the eight hours. Love Matt. Um, I was lurking for a while. I I just was also playing Persona, so I couldn't. I could. My mental <laughs> faculties couldn't get as invested. No, it's it's good, man. Like to be fair, when like Josh and I were talking strategies, like before either of us made a move, I'd still be like playing Doom on the side time, like at certain points <laughs> because I was trying to finish Doom before today. So like we'd be playing and there there'd be like this long segment where we were talking, and I'm like, okay, I can get quick five minutes of Doom in to get myself a little bit further. <laughs> So I totally understand that, but it was such a fun stream. And Josh, we need to do that again very soon. Oh, I go yeah. back to work on, I have to go back to work on uh Wednesday. Hey, hey, oh no. I have a to go back to work on yeah. tomorrow, but then I have two days <laughs> off after that, that I'm really looking forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool, it's, been, cool. it's just been a fun gaming week. And I, I've, I have a revelation about doom eternal later that I have to share with you guys. So don't let me forget. Right. Okay, Revelation, Doom Eternal. Good man, good okay. man. Um, and yeah, so oh, uh, I am, of course, General Mountain Time here from Montana. Uh, I almost forgot. Um, I did want to say, because a lot of people were messaging me about this all week very kindly. Yes, speaking of loose ends, I did get my ball snipped. I did get a vasectomy. Um, and I have to tell you guys, uh, the I think the most the funniest thing about the experience for Anyone who's never had a vasectomy, which I assume is a lot of people. Um, Most of the women. <laughs> a good, a good, yeah, a good number. Um, All five of them that listen to the show. Is that... I wonder uh, why. 
is that whenever the doctor first starts and they're kind of uh, drugging, they inject each testicle and then they pin them in place. Um, the doctor was rummaging through my my testicles. And rummaging was, <laughs> is that the word you want? To <laughs> rummaging is no, not the exactly right word. The word. He's, he's he's thumbing through his testicles. No, I like to imagine that that's how the doctor testicles. I like no, to imagine I, I that's promise. how the doctor described it to him. He's like, "I'm just gonna rummage through your testicles real quick." I I promise it was like way more like a, a kind of aggressive because he, he really needed to find what he was looking for. And and he, <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, "You do have two testicles, right?" Look like, at us, huh? Yes, I have two <laughs> testicles. This is not, we're not getting off to a good start here. It was like, oh, there it is. It was just hiding back there. Um, so we were off to a flying start there. Yeah. And at one point. Yeah, one testicle uh, knew what was up. It was, <laughs> it was like, I get the fuck I'm out of here. I'm not about this shit. He was hiding behind the other one. <laughs> Don't find me. At at uh at one point, yeah, the, the medication did not set in. And I was starting to feel about 15 seconds of the actual uh, process and I have to tell you that I was losing my mind. If hmm. I could feel the snipping and everything starting to happen, or you whatever should be was able to on. feel it regardless of being numb. No, no. When I was numb, I didn't feel a damn thing. Hmm. It was just completely empty. I think okay. maybe your brain was just compensating for like you were expecting to feel something, and your brain might have been compensating. It, well, like the cutting. In honestly, I swear to God that because he had used, um, whenever he numbed it up further, I because he had one testicle, with, I was fine because he double he used double the medicine on it. I've already we reached my testicle <laughs> quotient for one podcast. We've already said testicle two so, times. <laughs> Listen, How we much? all just say it and we take the power away from the word. Yeah, testicle. It can't hurt you anymore. Right. How much Anastasia did he give you? I don't know. Um, it was like, just like how many shots finished. of Anastasia did he give you? Did you say Anastasia? Damn it! I thought I thought you I thought I was gonna try and get oh, you. Now you look silly. Now you look silly. Anastasia. I was trying to get you to say Anastasia. Damn it! Damn it! I was cracking nice so hard every time you said Anastasia. Yeah. Nice try. I was hoping I'd get him to say uh, it. No. She was nope, not the people's no, princess. No. Mm. <laughs> she was not. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie's overrated. Let's be honest. You know, Anastasia's yes. overrated. Um, forget it. Who remembers? Anyways, okay. uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty chill procedure. So if you ever have to get a vasectomy, I would say don't be afraid of it. Um, it's very. very <laughs> I'm losing weird, my but... mind, but don't be afraid of it. <laughs> I I do. Today's the second day, and I, I've been a little sore, but I haven't. It hasn't been too bad. So I want to um, point out that you describe your vasectomy as pretty chill. Uh, dude, I, I say that because literally they were like, hey, you got your phone. You can stay on your phone while you get it done. And I was like, all right. So I was literally sending out like tweets and stories on Instagram while I was, I was snipping my You balls. care if I FaceTime some people? <laughs> Mom, what's up? I'm totally getting my fucking <laughs> severance snipped right now. Is this I, a good I, time to reach out to my ex? They call it the vase. That was the term. <laughs> I found your vase. Your vase. You know, vase different, so. That's yeah, what the doctor kept calling. I found yeah. here's uh, I just had to find your vase. Um, they anyways. found your vast defense. Yeah, he hasn't been in much since the nineties. Vazi bear. <laughs> it was interesting though. I did ask him about the because if you haven't been to a hospital, like when you walk in, uh, it was it was pretty cool. They had everyone funneling in through one door. They check your temperature and gave you hand sanitizer and then kind of let you know where you were going. Um, 
but yeah, I was asking the doctor, I was trying to get some intel. He's like, yeah, we, we have two people with the coronavirus in the hospital. Obviously, I can't give you their names. But uh, yeah, we have two people in the hospital with the coronavirus. So that's like 60% uh, of your oh, county? Yeah, it's like... Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all, not at yeah, all. You really I don't think people think that's I really... live in bumfuck nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's really f- interesting, though. Like, yeah, there are thousands of people contracting this virus that's plaguing the world. It's a really good time to get a vasectomy right now. Well, I guess well, in Montana, but, you know, it's too dangerous for me to go to the 7-Eleven because in New York, we're winning at the coronavirus. <laughs> We've got the most of it. <laughs> Dude, I'm that's not even fair. Ki- You're I'm not even kidding, though. It. When when he they called me the day before, I was like, "What do you mean? Like, I figured they canceled the surgery. This is a weird time." And he was like, "Nah, no. we'll just do it outside." No, no. And he was well, like, "No, no, it's fine. Selective. Like, All right. I'm not well, going to fight." I appreciate it. you sharing. I appreciate you sharing this, but I feel like we need to have a moment of silence for um all the. Plan B pill companies that are going to be put out of business now. So uh, if we may bow our heads for a moment and uh, have a moment of quick silence. All right. That was that nice. That was nice. Yeah, it's peaceful. Uh, peaceful. I thought you were going to go darker and be like, let's have a moment of silence for the sun you'll never have. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. No, 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 no. I can't, no, I can't no, carry no. on the, the bar. Uh, no, I'm happy. Uh, Happy with my yep. three children. No, it's going to be a fun dinner when you go back to see your folks. Let them know the family name dies with you. Yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> that is unfortunate. It is over. I'm sorry. My dad was shocked when I told him because I didn't tell him I was doing it. And when it was done, he was like, what? Um. Anyways, it was an interesting experience. And yeah, so. I'm, I'm glad you're okay, man. In all seriousness, I'm glad that you're doing well. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was just very, very surreal. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that. Like when I got a, like when I was in college, I was like, you know what I'm going to get for myself for a, high, or a college graduation present? I'm going to get myself a vasectomy. And I was I was so dead set on that because I don't I've told you guys this multiple times. I've told a lot of my close friends I don't want children. And if I ever change my mind, I'll just adopt. You know, that's kind of that's been my mentality for at least 10 years now. And it it's never wavered. And so I was like, you know what, that, that'll be my college graduation present to myself. And then there are times where I was like, all right, I'm going to call and make the appointment. And then I thought about just like getting that snip. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can go through with that. That's kind of, that's <laughs> scary. That's a scary, that's a scary thing to think about is getting the snip snip. Shay, let's do it together and we can stream it. We can hold hands. <laughs> IRL stream. Check this out. Twitch, we're getting our ball snip. For the patrons, obviously. My, honestly, $5 my, tier. Yeah. Watch us get a vasectomy. Yeah. <laughs> $5 like dollar tier. Watch us getting our vase snipped. Vase. Get to, it's the slang. Get those. Um, it, Man. The doctor was the one who sold me on it because my wife was pushing me for it. And he was like, no, honestly, it's, yeah, it's real casual these days. Like, it'll take, like, 30 minutes. No we can do ups. it now. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it on the way out the door. So, it, yeah, it's that's my first elective procedure. Anyways, um, I'm, I'm excited for this show. And if, if I could just briefly, I'll knock this out of the way now. We have an incredible topic of the show I want to get to. Um if you guys don't mind for about 30 seconds here, I won't torture you too long. Build it up, baby. I, I accomplished my greatest gaming achievement ever this week. 
and that was platinuming Death Stranding. Um, Aim higher. Thank you. I don't Thank know. That, that sounds like an undertaking that most men would not put themselves through. <laughs> yeah, like that's worse than getting but the Morgan is not most men. Hmm. No. Morgan is oh. the one, the only, the AAA martyr. And he had to do it to rise up and speak for all those AAA games that don't have a voice. <laughs> You know, technically, the achievement said the greatest of great deliverers. So I will, well, I will accept that title. You know what your next assignment is, right? You need to strap your BB to your chest, and you need to walk to Japan and get Kojima to sign it. I don't know if there's walking to Japan. I don't know. Figure it out. You <laughs> crossed that lake of tar at the end of the game, didn't you? Yeah, nailed zip line. Um, there. I will say this really briefly at um. I, the reason I did it is because I wanted to prove to myself that when I had three kids, I could still do something like this. And I wanted to, like, because uh, I, I knew time was going to get harder. It was going to get, you know, your your window, the more kids you have, the more responsibilities you take on. Um, your your windows of time, your free time. Not if shit. you're a deadbeat dad like I would be. <laughs> <laughs> shit, that, I don't know why I'm laughing at that. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my pa went out for a pack of smokes, but I'm still here. I'm locked in my closet, and I you t- yell at my kids to get the fuck out, but I'm still here. Josh, you stole your cigarette joke. That was your joke. He just I'll stole it. i help out when a court proves their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Anyways, um, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it, and now I have just three measly platinums but like at the beginning of the year i was like platinums platinums ooh, platinums i wanted to stick with it you know i didn't want it to be something that just fell by the side of the road and this one was a time consuming platinum it was not a difficulty platinum it was a time consuming if you've played this game like in particular like the snowy mountainous areas oh my fucking god the platinum was just exhausting and i wanted to i would say about halfway through it i loved the game more than i ever loved it you know rating those um mule camps and building roads off what I was finding there and really feeling that addiction and everything. And then by the end of it, I never wanted to see it again. So that's just how these things go, I guess. That's how I felt about four hours in. No, you watch your mouth. Um, But it was, yeah, it was uh, really cool. So I'm proud of that. And I feel like I've come full circle. You know, Rich, you're, you got a collector's edition for your Persona Royal. Do you have the platinum for Persona 5? Uh, I'm about two platinums, off, two trophies off for that, rather. But this time, I actually, it's interesting. I was talking with a friend of mine about this. Uh, I was looking at the trophy list for Royal, and I think I'm going to go for the platinum on this one. Hmm. Okay. Because I was very close with uh, the original Persona Five, and I just kind of never got around to it. But uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go for it this time. You know, you could just be. You could just have both of them. If you almost got the one, you could just be like, I got both Persona 5 platinums. I, like I think I, I was thinking I might. I need to look at the ones I need to get in the original and then see if it's worth uh, revisiting when I'm when I'm done with Royal. Yeah. What it comes down to, like, I was curious to see what my last trophy was going to be in Death Stranding, and it was a timed order one where I had to do these timed orders and, like, I was running out of orders I could even take because I had done them all, and you had to do a certain amount of them on a lot of them. And I was basically having to build these elaborate zipline paths, and it was really, really difficult. You had to deliver a lot of wives? Dude, some of them were, like, they they'd be like oh get here in eighteen minutes and if you didn't get there in a minute and a half it'd be like oh a ranking instead of s so anyways I don't want to get into the logistics of it but I can tell you that um, some of them were a bitch uh, 
I want to. I want to. I want to say. I feel I wanna, like this would have been much easier had you started working on the uh, roads and zip lines on your way through the game. The roads I did, the zip lines I was a little resistant to. Doesn't that stuff yeah. degrade anyway to some degree? It takes a long time. Yeah, but it it, takes yeah, a like I've not actually nothing had I built ever degraded. Yeah, so far I, I've literally been playing rain. this game since mm-hmm. November 9th, and it is fucking April. So I am happy to put this uh, aside. It's but, April, um, but it feels like November 9th of 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it does. What a year. Anyways, thank you guys for giving me that moment to say that. It just it was a cool achievement I wanna say, for me. I want to say one thing, and I want to ask you one thing before we close. Of course, First of off, course, of course. I'm glad thank I'm glad you, you did this because I know throughout the years that you not necessarily give me shit, but you're like, I don't understand why um, you, as in me, uh, spend so much time like on achievements, like achievement hunting, hunting or trophy hunting over the years. I'm glad you see some value in it now, especially because you like this game so much that you sought out more time with it, which is often why I do the achievements and trophies. Sometimes I, in the past, I would do them just for the the prestige, so to speak, or for the uh, the score. But a lot of the games now that I do yeah. the, the trophy hunting or the achievement hunting for is because I just want more time with the game at the end of the day. So I'm glad you see the value in that, exactly. especially with the game that you love. I do. Now, my other question is, because it, it took you so long to grind that out, was it worth it in the shortest sense possible? Was it worth it? It it was, but like this, the feeling was weird. Like It wasn't like this super elated feeling. It was kind of just like... <sighs> okay, what am I going to platinum now? You know, like it wasn't like this amazing, like euphoric. So what is it? What's next? Yeah, like I, that's just how I'm built. Like I've always been like, I like to push for goals and then when I get them, I immediately want to do something else. That's just kind of who I am. So like, but there wasn't like some euphoria to it, but there, it was nice to like put it up on one of the things I do like about social media. It was nice to post it and like have people say like, you know, good job, cool. There's only 2.5% of people that have played this game in the world have have this trophy so i felt like uh, i did not get acknowledgement from kojima but i did get acknowledgement from kojima productions i hope um, you and that other guy are really happy mm-hmm. <laughs> me and me one of our uh patrons um uh freaking tony and his did, name is tim tony did uh did do it as well so yes to answer your question shay absolutely worth it because like you you summed it up perfectly like if these games if it's gonna be my game of the year as someone who takes a lot of pride in hosting a video game fucking podcast, if there's a if there's a game I'm going to platinum, wouldn't that be it? You know, if I'm not going to platinum my game of the year, then what the fuck am I going to platinum? That's a good so. point. Right. Morgan, can I ask you this? Would this uh, do you any good? There's an item that PlayStation has sold for a long time that I've considered buying for myself on multiple occasions. <laughs> okay. They sell a pint glass that is shaped like a PlayStation trophy. Uh-huh. Now, oh. if I bought this... The main reason I was going to buy it was I would try starting to platinum things on stream. And then when I finally achieved said platinum, I would chug a beer from this glass. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a, I'm going to Google this. I'm going to buy this glass right now. That sounds mm. amazing. Okay, cool. I, that's the one thing I was thinking about. It'd be cool, like if it would be cool if the developers would send you little like physical representations. Like here's a little, you know, you spent 150 hours that's with their kind fucking of game. What it would be the cool. idea of PlayStation Home was back in the day was it was like this Second Life world where you had like a legitimate trophy case for your PlayStation trophies. Yeah, see, and that's it is cool. I I do see the value in that more than I used to. I I I for people that think it's 
silly or whatever. It's not, I don't think their opinions are wrong or silly either. It's just, if you don't want to do that, I get it. I did that for 30 years. I didn't have my first platinum until last year with fucking Spyro. For I mean, sake. I think I, I fall in the same camp with uh, Shay on it that like the value in it for me is it's, it gives me a goal um, and a reason to keep playing the game. It, my brain works in a very checklisty way. So that like that does something for me. Mm -hmm. And you you find my, the coolest thing about it is finding things that you may not have found out otherwise. Like you know the guy you deliver pizzas for in the game. Yeah, pizza guy. Ingler, you find out that that's Higgs. That's a that's a fake name. He was that that oh, that that's station. Super weird. You go inside of that building, and you see all these like notes that he was making and all of his pizzas. And that was, and even when, I'm not even kidding you, even after the conversation with Higgs in the game, like chapter nine or whatever, you get emails from Higgs and he's still requesting fucking pizzas. <laughs> it's fucking weird. But that, I, that might've been something I never would have known if I hadn't tried to, you know, five star that, that building. So if I wrote that game, when you got in there, it would have been the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. They would, they would have been inside the, yeah. yeah, it would have been, the, it would have been the Ninja Turtles. Uh, anyways, uh, Cool. I, I would like to do that if I can. Right now, I'm working on platinuming Doom 2016. That's my next goal. Cool. Right. Anyways, thank you guys for that moment. And uh, topic of the show, I one thing I've been thinking a lot about um, lately, listening to a lot of our shows, doing a lot of editing of videos for the Instagram, is that I wanted to have a little little more sort of philosophical kind of discussions if we can. Um, I think that we do a great job of the topics that we do. And one of the cool things is that we're able to just on the fly, hey, Nintendo did a press conference, we should talk about this for the topic of the show or something like that, right? Or E3, let's do our top five games of E3. But we do tout ourselves as being, you know, the the phallic and the philosophical, but I feel like lately the philosophical side has been a little bit um So you want relaxed. to talk a little Descartes? Uh, yeah, we know, let's go. Kratos, Socrates. Um, well, I don't know what Descartes is, so what is that? It's a philosopher. Okay. Could have, could have gone with one I had heard of, Rich. Come on, I, go I, with. <laughs> if I'm not making you look foolish, why am I even doing this? If if he, he managed to to whiff with Descartes, I don't think he really could have picked a much more safe answer there. I would have been really oh, okay. impressed if Morgan was able to like really riff on like the fact that I brought up Rene Descartes. <laughs> I I I wish I would I would because I was looking up some. Uh, actually, this might this might shock you, but when I took a philosophy class in college before I burned out because of World of Warcraft. So Because <laughs> so, of wow. World of Warcraft. <laughs> like, I bought excuse. a Grey Main statue today, so I also did some World of Warcraft stuff. Alright. I'm proud of you. It was on sale. Um, I actually have a funny World of Warcraft story if I may tell one that happened. Go for it. Go for week. it. Yeah. Very short. Um I was at training this week, which I was vehemently against being there, but I had to be there of course, which is okay. That's perfectly okay. But um, I was talking to someone there that I've known for a few years here, and this person recently got engaged, and um, I was like, dude, that's awesome. Congratulations. I was like, what have you guys been up to, especially with the way things are right now? He's like, oh, dude, I've just been playing WoW Classic. And there's this other guy, and he's like, oh, d does your uh, fiance play video games? And he's like, nope, never. And the guy's like, so what do you do with your fiance? He's like, oh, we watch movies sometimes. That's about it. I play WoW about four to six hours a day, though. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I don't play those games. 
because four to for six me, hours. I know I would have no self control. Um, and so seeing someone else not have self control is just a good reminder to me that like, yeah, I don't want to ever be at that place because I like. I know that if I got sucked into a game like that, like I used to be with Modern Warfare or Rock Band, you guys would never see me play anything else. It's just it's interesting. Well, I mean, I played a lot of WoW in college, and like Morgan, I didn't show up to class because of it, but I also passed all those classes hmm. because uh, I had teachers in those classes that were like, yeah, I don't care if you don't show up as long as you do the tests and pass the tests and turn in the assignments on time. And so I stepped foot in each of those classes for the midterms and for the finals. Jesus. Well, that's nice. That's mm-hmm. convenient. Um, all right. Well, can, can you that... tell us more, Rich, so you can rub it in uh, Morgan's face about how he <laughs> failed? <laughs> yeah. I'm saying if Jerk. you if you really, like, if you were talkative with those professors, Morgan, and, like, literally ran shit by them, a lot of times they'll let you do shit like that, but you gotta, like, actually try on the on your own I, that doesn't work for everybody so that's probably a bad example but I, I it was just something i was decent at yeah it was yeah we don't have to get into that right now but i, I think i went to college for i was not mentally ready to be taking college seriously i'll just yeah that i don't think most people who go to college are probably i may have been, I may have been chasing a woman in college We're except for talk about except that. for doogie hauser well, that's a different story. Huh? Doogie. He had it figured out. Doogie! <laughs> a young Neil Patrick Harris could could take on the world. Um, but I think the topic this week is interesting. When I was trying to think of, I was like writing down all these topics that I was uh, trying to sort of phrase them in sort of a deeper way. Maybe like if we can find ways to, you know, hopefully make each other think about things differently or think about something in an interesting way. And right now... Uh, I had just been thinking a lot about crafting, uh, and there's elements of crafting in, obviously, you could make a case the three biggest games in the world, I guess, with, like, Fortnite, uh, Minecraft, uh, Animal Crossing is huge. Like, I mean, even, it's crazy to think that Fortnite does have crafting elements in it, but it does. Very light crafting elements in it. I guess in the terms of the actual fort stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the actual forting in the nighting. Um, and, but there's a lot of interesting ways to take it, and... I think that the one that was struck me the most, there was an article, technically it's a, there was an article on CNN about uh, a different kind of crafting, you know, like your mom's friend, your mom's friend, Karen is knitting, uh, you know, Um, but I, I do think there is some, some obvious applications there to it and they had a pretty good setup for for what it is but i just wanted to briefly go around the room before i introduce this and just kind of get where like when you guys think about what was the first game or or let's rephrase it this way um crafting as far as its appeal goes what is the appeal of crafting to you in particular um josh what is the appeal of crafting to you in games um I think more discovery than anything. I kind of I like the ones where it's not just filling off a checklist like oh here go go collect all this other crap instead of the thing you actually want. Um I kind of like the ones where you make stuff and kind of have to figure it out yourself to like find recipes and stuff. Um, like cooking in Zelda or something where like you just cooking throw in a Zelda in... like uh the original form of Minecraft before uh 
any of that had been solved. Oh, gee, Minecraft. Yeah, okay. so much of that was just... How is it different? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, now you get in and you've just got a list of everything and you can just cook it from a menu or create it from a menu. Um, whenever Minecraft... When I first played Minecraft, which is like back in the alpha, uh, or one of those, one of the, one of the pre-launch versions of the game i don't remember exactly which one i i think I mean, even during alpha. launch it, it was like really about discovery like yeah. when i was playing it was what what you're uh, i'll let you describe it but like i know exactly what you mean by that yeah yeah at the beginning there that you start in a world with no instructions about anything whatsoever mm-hmm. and you've got this kind of bizarre looking inventory where you've got you know you're all the crap you're carrying, and then there's this strange little grid over in the corner, like this nine by nine or three by three nine nine square grid um, that you can put stuff in to make things, and with no mm-hmm. instructions about what that could possibly mean, and you okay. have to figure it out. Um, which there's no clues at all. You just like let's no throw a piece of wood all. in here. Yeah. Let's throw okay. yeah. And it has to do about what slot you put it in. Like mm-hmm. you're making the shape of the thing you want with the materials. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like you want a you want a pickaxe. You need to make a little pickaxe looking thing in your little three by three grid. Um. And yeah, the stone. N- yeah, nothing. Nothing was told to you. Um, which was just it. It made figuring all of it out just amazing like of so course you find that refreshing because i think a lot of people would find that mm-hmm. daunting you know yeah i like that i like just having the game assume you'll figure this stuff out as you go um letting and, you loose with the tools yeah and granted i didn't figure out everything you could do at that point because there's so much you could do in that game um they just yeah, the idea of you figuring it all out is kind of crazy, um, but you do yeah, that, you do that, you do figure that's... out some of it out and kind of yeah. I felt like it. I felt like it added to to the sense of community that we haven't really seen since the '90s. Of like, there's no way to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. Like we, we've got to we've got to talk about what we've each discovered in a game. Um, and granted, this yeah. is not just a crafting thing in general, but like just the idea of a game that. You, not everybody just instantly it's knows a transcendent idea yeah like yeah. those early raids in destiny where people are like i don't know how to get through this and mm-hmm. everyone's just fucking around just you know? people on the reddit talking and uh, yeah it's, yeah and it's funny you mentioned even like that sense of community with minecraft like i brought this up before like i was uh when minecraft was first becoming big uh i was working at a gas station um and it was a pretty slow sort of business where the boss didn't really care much about what we did so a bunch of us would bring laptops to work and we'd work overnights and we'd sit at this counter all night in a gas station playing minecraft together (laughs) (laughs) wow actually yeah that sounds like some good memories what is uh shay what would be the appeal for you when it comes to crafting so what i really like about crafting is that you aren't confined exactly to a specific number of mechanics so to speak like a like an RPG that gives you a set number of weapons like basically what what they give you is what you have access to which is kind of similar but also it allows you more ability to customize how you approach a game for me one of the first games that had crafting 
that I remember is the Dead Rising series, specifically the first Dead Rising, where you could craft in that game, and that allows you to approach how you want to handle navigating through the zombies, the zombie hordes, and the psychopaths in that game. And granted, the developers are still giving you parameters to operate in, but it feels like I'm able to more customize it to my style if I'm able to craft. And we look at how far crafting has come now and the ability to make like absurd weapons like in Dead Rising 2 and 3 and 4 to more specifically like with a Fallout 4 style game where you can craft these weapons and they give you certain abilities and you're able to operate under those parameters, you are customizing the way you play the game. And I think that mm. is really, really empowering for a, a gamer. It's, it's almost as if you are infusing your own element into a video game light. You know, it's, it's like the developers are giving you the ability to control aspects of the game on a very, very straight straight um straightforward way of doing it essentially mm -hmm. so i i think that's the most appealing part to me but then like you guys are talking about with minecraft i think when it comes to crafting in those type of games like these survival style games like that or terraria um other various survival games it's really about just relaxing um putting yourself in a scenario where you basically have to just survive or it's about just creating it's like a digital landscape for you to take all of your ideas and then just put them out there you don't need materials the material is in one spot and you just need your imagination and access to that game whether it's a computer or a console and then you just go from there and you are able to create and i think that's a beautiful beautiful thing because you know, there, there are stresses in our lives now, before, and there will be in the future. And it's an easy thing where you can just come and sit down for an hour to lose yourself, just create, use your imagination, and then you can save it and you can either come back or you can just put it down and look at it and be like, okay, I finished this. This came from this particular frustration in my life and it still exists in that digital area wherever you saved it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you kind of get to flex a little bit of those, like you're saying, those creation muscles. Like even people who maybe don't feel particularly creative, I think a lot of times those games allow them to um, have varying levels of uh that feeling of someone who is like they get they get that same feeling as like me who like I spend all this time creating a base in let's say No Man's Sky or something but if it's like you said even if on a minor level like Dead Rising that that game has like a joyous crafting spirit like oh do you want to put a chainsaw onto a giant board you and you know? know I do <laughs> you know <laughs> like what's the weirdest most insane it's like imaginatively joyous yeah. um uh, like weapon customization and and that's it's got a good spirit to it so right yeah. and i th i think to extend upon what you're saying with like creative people having an outlet to try and be creative i think it also allows for people who don't get to be creative in their normal day-to-day -day life a space where they can be and it's it's very low impact low key you know if i 
if I worked as, well, I mean, you could be creative as a lawyer, I guess. I'm trying to think of like a fairly non-creative mundane job. I would say like a cashier. Yeah. Like there, there's a level, there's yeah, abilities like, to be creative in every job. I firmly believe that, but there are, there are different levels of rigidity saying. or yeah. creativity that you're allowed. And something like a cashier job, there's not a lot of room for creativity, I think. Something like so, customer outreach. Right. So Josh just said delivering pizzas. To I, I didn't want to yeah, kick I, you on air. I, just wanted to- I was actually <laughs> trying to come up with a creative way to just bring up my own job. So, <laughs> right. So you think you consider that like you're working in a less creative field and then you get to come home and instead of being like, well, I want to paint, but like I have to set, like I have to have all these art supplies, which are a lot of money, and I have to have this easel, and I have to bring it out, and I have to be in the right mood, and I have to set this all up, and it's going to get messy, and it's going to take hours. I can just plop down on my couch, play an hour or two of Minecraft, just build something, whether or not anything comes of it. You just plop it in there, and then you're like, okay, I got to be creative for an hour or two when I don't normally get to be creative in my day. And that allows that that part of your brain to continue to work, to develop, and it allows you just an outlet. And I think that's yeah, a really beautiful you. thing about these type of games is even like even if you're not creative, it allows you to build that creativity. Or if you are a creative person, some for some reason you're in a point in your life where you don't have a lot of access to creativity in your day to day life. This is a an outlet for that. This allows you to do that, and it's very low impact. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think, Josh, yours, by the way, there's a really cool article if people are listening and they want to check it out. It's older, but it's just sort of an interesting thing that uh, Alexander King wrote about five approaches to crafting systems and where to use them. And uh, like I was joking with you, Josh, I think yours would fall under the um, anything is possible because they actually have Vagrant Story listed under the picture mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, I was just oddly enough, I'm sitting here thinking about how I want to change up my equipment while we were sitting here talking about that. <laughs> um, yeah, you get, see those creative muscles reflexing. You're like, hmm, but what if I can do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that game, I, I got into it a little bit before, but like you can combine different blades to like make a better better weapons that's kind of the thing i talked about but then also how you assemble it is a big part of it because like you the increasing the stats portion is the uh just the blades themselves and then you have a bunch of different grips like you mentioned that will um have their own effects and like different gems you can attach to those grips that will just like all these little things that are just some of it is increasing stats, but a lot of it is about changing the way you want to play. Um, yeah. Because it's about just, just tweaking the thing to kind of, to fit your play style a little better, which I, I mean, really that, like. that, that reminds me, Josh, like do you do all that at like a workbench, right? In the game. Yes, you do. You can switch gems on the fly. Um, just when you're out in the world, um, which is good. Cause sometimes you want to switch stuff up to like yeah. counter a certain enemy type. Um, but most of it you have to do in like different workshops through the world. I, w- I was just thinking about how many, how many games have we played that have a workbench, <laughs> a workbench of some kind. It's insane now. Like even mm-hmm. survival horror games, it's like, Oh here, go to the workbench. I was playing the last of us. Go to the workbench. Everything's got a fucking workbench. Yeah. There's a workbench in my house, but I don't know how to use that one. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, Rich. Me neither. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, that's, the one thing we didn't really 
I'm kind of got at, but not as much. I I also like I like the ones where depending on how you craft it, and Minecraft does this as well some to to some like some extent, but um, the ones where your path through the game is kind of shaped based off of what you decide to craft, like what focus you have as you as you go through, because there's like different paths of progression. They're not kind of like all just one one way you can do something. That's a mm-hmm. cool way to make your decisions feel impactful, even mm-hmm. in a slight way. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the psychological, um, like, I was thinking a lot about why so many of these uh, Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, sort of simulator farming kind of games really lean on those crafting systems. And I know on the surface it seems like an obvious thing to say, well, farmers, of course, they they build things, they craft things, they make things. Farmers talk to me about their crafting tables all the time. It's 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 part of it, dude. I I uh my my wife's mother's husband is a wheat farmer and they have a giant farm and like literally he has workbenches that are the size of my ha- like ha- my wall downstairs. Like it's insane. Um like it's no fucking joke. Like these people that <laughs> fuck around. So but, go down um, there, bring like two pieces of wood and just smash them together <laughs> and see what happens. It's just like Animal Crossing, I just go and then I hold it up and, and everyone claps for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one claps for me. But um I was gonna uh, this is a good segue, Rich, because I wanted to uh talk about because those games are a lot like Animal Crossing. My mom has um a lot of anxiety and I was I was hoping that she'd be able to get into like she has like crippling anxiety and I and she used to love Animal Crossing and I was really worried that she wouldn't be able to get into this one and she has and I think that the crafting elements have really helped um, and because I was thinking a lot about the psychological positives that come from it and there there is a parallel here. There's an interesting article that says, this is your brain on crafting that I was digging up. A, a lot of people were pointing me to this one whenever I was doing my research, if you will. And it, the effects are kind of similar to meditation and people that have anxiety like myself, I find this stuff interesting. But I think it's something a lot of people can relate to, especially now with a game like Animal Crossing that is very popular during this sort of anxious times. And I'm going to butcher her name, so I'm not even going to try. Um, it's just a psychologist... Mahali something. I'll send you guys it later. It looks insane. Um, first describe this phenomenon as flow, where a few moments in time when you are so completely absorbed by an activity that nothing else seems to matter. Flow, says, is the secret to happiness. Um, a statement that he supports with decades of research. Uh, it's a he. I'm sorry. I feel like a jerk now. Um, we are involved in creativity. We when we are involved in creativity, we feel that we are living more fully than during the rest of life. And this is like this is like a statement that I would literally live and die by, which is why it like was so like powerful to me and I read it. But um when we are involved in creativity, we feel that we are living more fully than during the rest of life. Um he said during a TED talk in two thousand four, you know that what you need to do is possible, even though it's difficult, and sense of time disappears. You forget yourself, you feel like you're a part of something larger our nervous system is only capable of processing a certain amount of information at a time that's why you can't listen and understand two people who are talking to you at once so when someone starts creating uh, their existence outside that activity becomes temporarily suspended Hmm. i thought that was um 
an interesting way to put like when you get stuck on these little tasks like an animal crossing right you're like okay i need to build these three benches even that's a very goofy example it, but it's this no no i think that works because the main gist of it is much and you said working effectively like meditation it just gives you something to focus on like one sole task to concentrate your focus on mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um it's yeah in- i i think there's a lot of psychological benefits with this style of game and it's always interesting to see in like news and media that there are still certain groups of people that believe gaming is bad for people or gaming is a substandard way of enjoying something or it's a substandard hobby like i actually funnily enough um I recently was having a conversation with somebody that I've met a few times and he's like, yeah, I recently got out of gaming. Cause like, what's the point of gaming? And I was like, like, it was almost like he's, I know he wasn't shitting on it. It just like, it felt like that at first. And then I understood that like he, he has other things in his life going on. But I think that the, my initial thought, is kind of reflective of what a lot of people think of gaming. And it's just always interesting that people have that mentality because there's so much, there are so many benefits that come from gaming. And when you analyze a game, like a crafting game, like Minecraft or other games that have crafting in it, it's, it's a way for someone to be creative and it's a way for someone to also kind of in, envelop or uh, yeah, envelop themselves into something or put themselves in something and or allow it to envelop them. Excuse me, I apologize. Allow it to envelop them and allow them to work through these difficult mental issues or mental struggles that they're having at a given point in time. And it's like, why would you ever shit on somebody for enjoying something like that when this is giving them like a mental retreat, so to speak? Like, we will go places in the world to, for like physical retreats. Like we will go to like Bali or Cancun to like relax and have fun. And it does things for us physically and mentally. Why can't we have mental retreats at home? Like something as simple as playing Minecraft, give us a few hours of mental reprieve to boost our mental health. Like why, why is one okay and the other isn't? You know, it's a, it's a stigma for sure, and I think gaming gets the uh, the rough end of that a lot <laughs> because um, it's like this newer medium that I feel like there's almost this generation gap where an older generation doesn't want to understand it, and it ends up getting shunned to a degree. And I think that's that's fading as time passes, but it's still pretty prevalent. I'll I'll write that down as a potential. That's a kind of a without drifting too much into a topical thing there. Yes, I I do agree. Um, it yeah, with the the stigma there is unfortunate, probably because it derived from a lot of children games. People think of it as children yeah. play video games, but anyways, um, yes, no, that's true, and I think it's a good point, Shay uh, and Rich. And I when I just thought about that article, the thing that struck me the most about when I got into crafting games, the two biggest ones for me being uh, like probably No Man's Sky and Animal Crossing. 
Um, the survival sort of crafting stuff in No Man's Sky was pretty light and is mostly just to create stuff for your experience. Because I really liked the game a lot, I was willing to open myself up to this new kind of thing. I was never really into or interested with the idea of crafting. Um, but I think that those systems are going to be inherently effective generally with most people if, if they're open to kind of giving it a shot. And that's what I was doing. Um, but what I noticed with that game and Animal Crossing is the most brilliant part of it as a game design is that you go, let's say you need five sticks for what you're doing. I'm going to get those five sticks and then I get distracted. I'm like, oh, what's this guy over here? I haven't talked to him. Oh, he gave me a new present. Oh, that's going to look good in my house. Oh, man, but now I need a different color floor. Oh, let me go do this other tree now and get this stick. It's like distraction-based gaming. While you're with crafting, you need several different kinds of things to put together, right? And while you're off getting those things, oftentimes you get distracted depending on how good that game world is or how interesting it is yeah, to you. Yeah, you get and pulled to the side by your neighbors and put off on a different task. Yeah, and the same thing happened to me in No Man's Sky. Like, oh, now I'm distracted by a weird space shark, or I want to do this and that. And, like, you, those experiences are, it's a little overwhelming at times, and, like, the addiction can almost have a little bit of a dark side but where, like, you... It feels like a net, uh, like, net positive is probably the wrong way to put it, but, like, when you say overwhelming, like, sometimes I feel like that could be a negative connotation. It feels, like, overwhelmingly positive at times. Yes, Just, it like, does. drawing it does. you in. Like, almost like you're going to drool or something. Like, uh. Also, like, this is a weird sub-note. I'm concerned for some of my neighbors. You guys remember Zucker, my squid neighbor? Today he gave me a sushi chef hat, which I feel like was him asking me to kill him. <laughs> hmm. Well, sometimes You shouldn't feel bad about that. I mean, I mean... If that's what he wants. He asked you. Yeah. And then one of my other neighbors gave me a DIY for a cutting board, so are they scheming together on something? Like, what's happening there? Well, I gave Frobert a toilet and he gave me a garbage pail back, so I feel like we're in a really dark place in our relationship. Mm. Well, he's a good guy. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that distraction-based gaming to me is interesting because if you build your world in an interesting way while you're crafting, you're getting those pieces, you get distracted by other things, and that task, which would have taken you 15 minutes, has now taken you half an hour, 45 minutes, but you're also thinking about a hundred other things you want to do in that world and yeah. it's 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 really satisfying and interesting and that's well, I think why Animal Crossing is works so well with this it never had this before and that's um well I, I think they they looked at what Animal Crossing was and they put just enough Minecraft in there that make to make sense for what Animal Crossing is and I think mm -hmm. it, it find it finds a nice balance yes and that's just the, the example that really got me thinking about this but Meditative, the idea of crafting being sort of meditative. I mean, there's probably a lot of crafting in like some of those gross mobile games, right? And a lot of those Facebook games like Farmville and shit like that. I imagine they're sort of based off of crafting systems. And well, and... a lot of them, a lot of them do have crafting and those pay to play. And that's kind of, yeah, I think that's the crux of a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them is like they give you this ability to craft things, but they hand out the resources so slowly. To the point to where, like, if you want to craft more things, you either have to spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of time in the game, or you have to spend money to get more crafting items to do those things in those mobile games. It's the freemium so, gaming loop. Right, yeah. exactly. But why, and, and why did your mom's friend Karen play a lot of Farmville? It's, it's probably meditative. Like, even if it's... She works in HR, and her job is stressful. <laughs> it's, but if there is... Wait, wait, wait a minute. Karen isn't, Karen isn't playing any video games. She's busy at the restaurant talking to the manager. That's, 
That's not that's <laughs> Karen told me she was playing Farmville, which I'm pretty sure hasn't existed in like eight years. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, is that a dated reference? Like, what the hell happened to Farmville? Yeah, it's definitely dated. That'd be like if you're talking about like, no, oh, you remember Fla- sub- Flappy Birds? At this point, it's uh... a... <laughs> uh, no, my mom was playing one for a while called Hey Something. Oh, God, I got to look it up. Rich, you know this shit. Come on. I don't. <laughs> I know. Why would I know this? <laughs> Ah, damn it. It was, it was like the evolution of Farmville. It was like the next generation of Farmville. Farmville um, 2? Electric Boogaloo? I, what? <laughs> One farm, funny farm, thing was farm Simulator? Yes. Farm hey, Simulator. Hey, That's the evolution oh. of Farmville. Why would I know about it, Morgan? I don't understand what your logic is. I just imagine that you're some sort of like encyclopedia of video games. Well, those aren't um, really video games. Like Jeff Gerstmann, if he was happy about life. Let's see this. Heyday. That's what it's called. Heyday. Heyday. Yeah, but like Very... for actual video games. Like you want to talk about Load Runner or I something? Know, I know. I, know. No, I mean, maybe one day is we can Is day at least Runner. spelled incorrectly? Hey is spelled. It's correct. It's spelled correctly. That's disappointing. <laughs> hey! What yeah, would, would it be somehow like even more amazing to you, Josh, if you found out later that it was spelled incorrectly and Morgan was just wrong? It's no, like doubly satisfying. Yeah, I'm like, if there's a 100% chance that that hay is H-A-Y, but I feel like to compensate for that, it should be D-A-Y or D-E-Y yeah. at that point. To, to, to just E's bring it all go full somewhere. circle. Yeah. Somebody's got to do this and do it right. Mm-hmm. This is my cross to bear. Um... <laughs> but I gotta, but I gotta make that cross with seven pieces of wood, three nails, seven, three nails. nails. What kind of cross are you making? <laughs> what do you, what is you, what are you He's crucifying to... a spider? <laughs> I, I, I caught the rabbit in Animal Crossing hiding crucifixes behind the trees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. You know what? I, know what blew my mind when I thought about this the other day? I was like, man, one of the very first times I was crafting without really realizing I was crafting was. Uh, Weapons Gaming Monthly in Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Um, where you have to get all those pieces mm-hmm. to make a legendary weapon. I was like, damn. Gotta go that to was... the island closest to hell and grind out some materials. Mm-hmm. Would you actually have to take them somewhere to craft them, or would they just, like, if you had the items in your inventory, you had, like, you had to go to the You had to go to the weapon shop. Mm-hmm. The weapon shop. Okay. Yeah. See? Like a shop. That's there's There's just something on, like, a... There is something to that, even though it's a digital entertainment sort of medium, but it's interactive. There is something sort of weirdly tangible about that feeling, even though I'm trying to find a good way to explain this. You're not maybe you're not making a physical object, but you're getting those representation of those feelings in a digital realm um, yeah. through some some of its aesthetic. You're going to a workbench using a hammer, using parts, um, but it all comes together to sort of give you like those similar like dopamine hits. Yeah, it's funny you remember the weapons. I remember crafting your stats in that game because you yeah. craft your stats in that game. I remember fighting Cipher for a long time just so I could stock the correct spells. Yep. And then and then you upgrade all of those into Fyras, and then you restock again, and then do the same thing over. But actually, my favorite part of that fight in particular is stocking the spells I'm going to need for later off Cypher, and then remembering I've con- correctly junctioned my attack, so I'm going to one-hit him anyway. Mm-hmm. 
for him <laughs> for him to go you won't stand in my way and then he's like foiled again after yeah. one hit yeah I know. you must not have had uh oh was that the early cypher fight because that you, you must not have had odin if that was the last no i'm fight. talking about the um the first time you fight him on the float mm-hmm. gotcha. um that's he's a got, fight uh, you want to bank a lot of spells off yeah. him he's got a he's got a good variety before you go into disc two. Oh, okay yeah Okay, that's interesting. Because I, 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 just... I literally, I literally, I broke that game my first time through it because I realized yeah, you were crafting you your own yeah. stats. Yeah, it's... I thought it was funny because Josh called me. He's like, "I'm about to beat it," and I'm like, "Level 12. I'm like, "Excuse me." Yeah, got to slap Ultima on those stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was you know. <laughs> but I, I was just trying to dig back in my brain of like things that were crafting, but I didn't really think you know, about it as crafting. Yeah, funny actually. Like the, the the some of the earliest crafting I can now say I confidently remember is, and it's funny because right before we started recording, I played the first about hour and a half of Resident Evil Three Remake. Yeah, yeah, yep. the simple ass Capcom stuff, herbs, herbs. Yep. But you know, it's one. It's even funnier, and they've retained the sillier aspect of it in the remake that I love. Uh. One of the last things I did in the first area was I got a hold of the shotgun. And in that first area, if you know where the secret gems are and all that, you can get the tactical stock for the shotgun. And my favorite part of that is you combine the tactical stock with your existing shotgun and it turns it into a completely different shotgun, which (laughs) makes no fucking sense because you can't just slap a tactical stock on a 12 gauge shotgun. That's not how they work. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um... It's 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 interesting. Like that that little dopamine hit you get, like in life, and you're building or creating something in sort of a physical realm, if you will, and how that translates in the digital realm is interesting to me. Like I can get enough, uh, and how satisfying that is, and how it helps with anxiety or distraction. Distraction is, mm-hmm. it can be a little much. I mean, we don't have to really go into that now because that's almost a different topic. But you could. You find yourself for I know for myself during bad times in my life I'll find myself leaning so far into that realm of wanting distraction that it becomes, uh, you know, it's problematic. All I, 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 yeah, I don't want to return from the distraction, and that's when it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit of a a problem. Um, and I was just seeing if there's anything really any interesting. Just in it's it's a really cool article about the um. About crafting, even though it doesn't refer directly to gaming, but um, the idea of that sort of meditation through crafting and, uh, let's see, the effects of flow are similar to those of meditation, um, and they link you to a bunch of cool stuff that meditation has has done, uh, among other things, reducing stress, fight inflammation, healthy effects on the body. Meditation has done a lot for me over the years. Um, I will say that much. When I took myself off anxiety medication, I very, very much so got into med- meditation. Recently, I haven't found myself doing it every day, but my to dodge back to my opening story about being frustrated as hell at work today, when I went on lunch, all I did was sit in my car and meditate because I felt like I wanted to hit something. <laughs> mm. You know, that's good that you have a way, of, like a, a healthy outlet to do that because, you know, some people would just turn to hard drugs. Some people would... Um, well, I mean, you do that well, too. Well, I mean, but... it's it's there was nothing <laughs> readily available. All my dealers are afraid to leave the house. Yeah, I know. So it's it's meditation because of the circumstances. I need um, heroin. You know? I know. It's your plan B, if you will. So um... <laughs> now it's plan A. It's just they won't come. <laughs> a whole out. lot easier to get a hold of that now, without the stock constantly <laughs> you... being under. <laughs> I'm in strain. New York. We're, we're basically tripping over heroin. Uh, that's interesting. Anyways, I encourage anyone who 
was, is thinking a lot about this too. Um, if you go find those articles, this is your brain on crafting or like when you're playing a game, just kind of think about like the feelings you're getting from the crafting. And, and, and a lot of people out there, if you think crafting sounds kind of boring or uninteresting, or you've never really played a game like that, there's then you're out while you still can. <laughs> yes, exactly. The right. first taste is free. It's that's scientific, man. That shit will get you. It's just you have to find the package around the um, the dopamine hits that you're interested in. You know, like like for the same reason that Stardew Valley never gave me that dopamine hit. I don't think it's a bad game. Because I know you're wrong. People like Rich love that game. I just I could not get into like the the look and you know the general sort of farming nature of everything. But yet I love Animal Crossing because it's just weird and quirky enough for me. You know, um, it's funny actually. Like one of the things I remember the first time I played Stardew Valley of loving so much about it was like the little uh, intricacies of it. Cause like trying to explain it to someone like the different layers, be like, so it's like harvest moon. It's like animal crossing, but also there's a dungeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Animal crossing. That's the next step for animal crossing a dungeon. Is there anything else you wanted to say on uh, anybody here on, on regards to the topic before we um, move on, if you will, I think that's pretty good. Okay. Anyways, thank you for engaging. I think that was a good chat. Uh, crafting. Animal Crossing also does it very well. If you want to support what we do here, um, be part of the family that is Chomp Nation, you can go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Again, that's patreon.com slash swordchomp. We have a variety of tiers um, that you can support us, and our patrons are basically family. I mean, we have a private Instagram page. Um in our $5 tier that also gives you access to our discord channel. But, uh, yeah, it's a secret Instagram page. We do inside jokes. Um, I send let's play videos. I played the demo for resident evil three last night and recorded it. I'm going to have that up this weekend for people. Um, we do, we're going to record a Sonic podcast after the show chomping after dark for our $10 tier where we're going to break down the Sonic film. And that's actually going to, I'm looking forward to that too. So there's a lot of ways you can support us if you'd, like to uh, keep this operation going. Patreon.com slash Swordchomp. Yes. Yes. As an addendum yes, to queen. that really quickly, um, the Ori and the Will of the Wisp show will be going up this weekend as well. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Send me a copy of that and I'll get the YouTube version up as well. I know that's yep. a passion project from Shay and Josh because they're uh, big Ori, big Ori enthusiasts, if you will. We are mm. indeed. Mm, indeed. Quiet. Yes. Quite. All right, guys. So this is a big this is a big moment for Rich. He's a part of our podcast now, and he gets a chance to tell Chomp Nation all about this game that he's very, very obsessed with. Um he's been living for this day. Uh you they might surprise you, Rich. I've tried, here. I've tried to get a one Shay Layton to try Persona 5 a million times because I'm just like, dude, you live in Japan. I think you would really like this game. Um, I mean, if that was your argument for it, I'd probably tell you to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you live in Japan. Well, look, what if you live in Japan and you love dating? Bro, you should play Far Cry 5. I mean, you live in Montana, right? Hey, hey, don't, don't you even. This must be exactly what your life is like every day, bro. Dude, all the time I'm fighting I love cultists. Far Cry 5. Ridiculous. It's fucking redog. Oddly dude. enough, that that argument is far more on the, the nose Josh. than the yeah. Persona one. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like Japan is not nearly as stylish as Persona. 5. <laughs> hey, look, man. There's a lot of things in the. You're in Shinjuku all the time. 
this isn't the Far Cry 5 show, so we're not going to go into it, but I'll just say there's a lot of stuff in that game that I noticed as a Montanian that they have uh, little things, like the the team, the football team or the baseball team in the game, the colors Like the they way use. they'll be an empty field. <laughs> you know, I will. I will. How dare you? I love that game. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I played Persona 5 Royal. Wait, so they're so this is a cash grab to make more money off of the same game, right? You shut your damn mouth, you whore. Um, <laughs> what? This escalated quickly. Persona Five Royal is out. Persona uh, Five Royal: The Quest for More Money. The Quest for More Money. Space Balls Two. Uh, uh, okay, they didn't so sell enough copies. I'm, Josh, I'm the about first time. <laughs> fourteen hours deep into Persona Five Royal. Um, here, here's what I'll say: Persona Four Golden, which is the similar treatment to this that Persona Four got was the game that made me lo- fall in love with Persona as a series. As far as the added content, this is leaps and bounds above what why? that was. I think it's important when you say something like that, Rich, you need to tell me why Persona 4 made you fall in love with the entire series. Persona 4 Golden. Yeah, but why? Because it's a fantastic fucking game. Go play it. I don't have to explain myself to you. <laughs> but was there? did you play Persona 4 before you played Persona 4? No, I, I okay. went back and played Persona 4 for comparison eventually. Um... Persona 4 Golden is just a more well-rounded version with more content. Okay. Um, But, uh, like, having that sort of experience, I could say Persona 5 Royal is Persona 5 with more content, but it is leaps and bounds above the treatment Persona 4 Golden got. Um, The, like, basically, for those that have played Persona 5, it's a fantastic game. I don't think I need to upsell that. What I'll I'll tell you about is is so far, um, like, the the noticeably new stuff, because there's a lot of it. Um... On its face, easily, in the first few hours, it's easy to notice. The original game worked from a PS3 as the base game, so this looks noticeably better. Like, sharper, crisper images. Well, and that's uh, a big deal to me, because I remember me and Josh were like, yeah, this does look like a PS3 game. But um, it, I don't think it needed more than that, just it, because it, it's it so looked great. stylish. It very stylish. Yeah, it it yeah. looks noticeably better. Um, from there, I'll say I was surprised at how fast some of the new stuff starts getting dished out. Um, the big thing they were touting was there's a new party member, a new female phantom thief named Kasumi. Um, and if you remember that game starts in the casino dungeon, which I believe is the fifth dungeon, um, with sort of a framing device with the phantom thieves getting caught. Mm -hmm. Um, Kasumi appears in that, that setup, uh, which I was surprised at. Like there's Hmm. the section where Joker's escaping in the beginning, they add a little segment where he gets overwhelmed by shadows and she shows up to buy you time. So Kasumi was not in Persona 5, right? No, she is a brand new character. So this is like the the um the <laughs> the George Lucas treatment of just adding stuff into your story. Oh, Persona 4 Golden did something similar with a character named Marie and added an entire new dungeon. Okay. Uh, I don't necessarily mean that as a negative, but it's like sort of adding no, someone to well, the story that was see, not there at all. That that's just it. Yeah, and it's sort of masterful in how well it's weaving itself in because I've seen this character a number of times at this point. Um, there's another brand new character I met recently who, uh, <laughs> here's a fun story note with, I guess, light spoilers for the beginning of Persona 5. Uh, there's a character named Shio uh, on the volleyball team in Persona 5 that does attempt to commit suicide at one point early on in the game. Um, yeah, yeah. And in Persona 5 Royal, the school decides they care about you and so they hire a crisis counselor after this happens. And that is one of the new social links, um, is this this crisis counselor. 
I wonder if that was in response to yeah, that's one of the fucked up things that happened, Shay, is like your gym teacher is kind of doing some nefarious stuff with his students and one of them is uh, freaked out by it, so she jumps tries to commit suicide. Uh, does not succeed. Uh but beyond that, there's I mean there's there's a whole lot of new stuff in here. Hey, uh, I was holding up oh, wait, wait, Shay I saw oh, Shay's I, I missed open. that. I was setting him up for something. I'm sorry. I don't know. What, you, I don't... <laughs> what did he have? You're good. No, I was going to say, I do want to play this game. I have every intention of playing that. Um, especially with a, a look, it looking like here in the near future um, that we're going to be getting some holds on some games that I think we're going to find ourselves with a lot more free time than we would normally have in a year. Especially during the first half of the year. So I think there's going to be some downtime. And Now's when the that time. happens... Yeah, now's as good of a time as any. So I do have every intention. I know I said PS4 that last share. year. He could let you borrow it. <laughs> well, no, no, I or, I own it, dude. I bought it. I bought it years ago. I own oh, it. Oh fuck, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. He went to stream it, and they had a weird like blocker that wouldn't let him stream. Oh, without a capture card, you cannot stream that game. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, I'm yep. trying to remember all of the the new stuff. Uh. Sorry. Oh yeah. So there's a big change. You have to, to forgive com- Rich. He's a bit of a crazy person right now. Talking Sorry. about Persona. So there's a <laughs> there's a uh, there's a big change to combat early on. Uh, Morgan, I know you got pretty far in. I don't know if you remember the baton pass feature that you can unlock. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, you no longer have to unlock it. It's there from the get. That's good. Um, and it's been changed too. Uh, before you have five party members, it now has a use. Uh, when you exploit an enemy's weakness in combat, as you're, you're want to in Persona, you can now use Baton Pass to pass your extra attack to another party member. And um, you actually get bonuses for passing it to multiple party members. If you manage to pass it to the entire party in a single round, that last person's attack doesn't use any HP or SP. That's cool. Does that seem to make the game a little easier, do you think? No, I think it just adds a different layer to combat. Okay. Um, they also added technical attacks on top of that, which is, um, if you attack enemies with a certain type of attack, when they are suffering certain physical ailments, you do bonus damage. Uh, they added combat challenges to the Velvet Room, uh, that have unlockables in them that are marked off by levels. I actually paid, uh, money to add two extra ones to them. Oh, no. I'm pretty excited. real money? Yeah, I bought DLC. Um. Oh, gotcha. They, this, their combat challenge packs that let you fight the protagonist from Persona 3 and the protagonist from Persona 4. That's cool. Um, Weird, okay. Those are marked at level 50, so I can't quite do them yet, but I'm excited for them. Yeah. Um, I do miss one, them shooting in this. Wait, did they wait, stop shooting themselves in the head with the guns in this? In the, three, 3 was the only one they did. That was the that. only one that was a thing. Yeah. I really like that. That was cool. The evokers, yeah, were only in Persona 3. Yeah. Uh, and then the one of the other weird things I was like found myself spending a lot of time in they added a, a menu called the thieves den uh which basically they explain to persona what palaces are they are these manifestations of these you know evil people's warped minds the thieves den is basically the main character's palace mm-hmm. um it's just like where you could show off trophies and stuff like that oh but, okay but also in the thieves den you can sit down at card tables and play this card game called tycoon Hmm. And it's so it's like a weird... manifestation of your own mind, where it, you keep all of your achievements. It's a manifestation of the fan, Phantom Thieves and like what they've accomplished. Okay. Um, okay. 
I mean, it doesn't have to make that much sense. It's all it, no. It's it's honestly, it's a place to show off art and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you can also play this card game tycoon in there that's weirdly addicting. <laughs> oh, that's oh, so there's a card game now. Oh, there you go. Okay. It has a really good card game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else big. Oh, I've I want to know about lot. the um. So what's the deal with the new character? I don't know much yet. Okay. Um. All right. That went well. I'm just kidding. I, what's, I know. What's her name? I, Kasumi. Her name is Kasumi. Uh, I've encountered her a few times at school. I know. I'm getting close to the point where you can form uh a confidant. Uh, you so know, she has confidant with her. She looks like she has red hair, kind of like a biker kind of a look to her. Uh, what's her What's her persona? Do you know yet? I don't remember the name of it, but I have seen it in that flash forward. I did think it was cool that one girl who had a persona that would like turn into a motorcycle. I thought that was uh, Makoto. Cool. Yeah. Oh, you know, I wasn't huge on her per se, and I really liked On. But oh, she's her one of my favorite was, characters. On was had a lame persona. I she thought Carmen. Uh, you gotta get everybody's persona to change too. You gotta play the game. Yeah, man. yeah, that's true. That's what I did. Yeah, that was that's you know, that's where it gets a little like um, where you're like combining stuff to make new personas and like. Well, that's just for the main characters. The the fusion. Uh, in the the fusion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody's persona s- sort of evolves once, uh, through their social link in the main game. Yes, I do remember. I and obviously, I'm sure you could romance this new character. I don't. Yes, know Yes, you, you can. She's romanceable. Um, I do remember it's a little bit of a bummer. I, apparently I missed one simple dialogue. Cause so the way I look, I like dating Sims and I, I enjoy it in persona five. It's actually one of my favorite things about the persona games, but it's, they do it in a pretty archaic way. Like it's kind of a, I remember I missed one question and then they were like, yeah, now you can't romance this person anymore. And I was like, what? Some of them are a little more complicated. Like you, you, there are easier ways to warn them up too. Like you got to do the gifts and stuff and that gives you more chances. But yeah. Uh, I mean, typically it is like one line of dialogue at a certain conf- social link yeah. rank that's going to throw like, it off. Fuck. But I do like, it is cool to have those, you know, I I would like to see them expand on those elements a little bit, but a lot of those traditional Japanese studios are very much that, you know, it's not like a, it's not meant as a big diss against them or slam, but it's just they're traditional, um, also, almost to uh, a fault sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've kind of been making the same game since the Super Nintendo, so. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it ain't I mean, broke. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Me and the funniest uh, argument me and Rich always have is, I'm like, I want Persona, but I just want it to like be out of high school. Just no, like... I, that ruins Persona. That's it's. <laughs> that's so funny. It's that it also ruins the it. only thing that you don't need to fix there. Like the grindiness <laughs> is yeah. kind of the thing if you're the, gonna the, fix the, something. The one problem, yeah. yeah. I I'm just saying it'd be cool to have like young adults. Maybe I could relate to a little bit more. Um, I think college students is as far as you could go. The school element is a big part of it. Well, yeah, I would. I think that you could have a work environment, but I, I would take. I, I won't I talk college. about this here just because I could go off on it forever. This might be a, a conversation topic for another day. I have worked out in my head an exact sequel to Persona 4. Oh, great fan fiction. Mm. Okay. All right. I'm worried about you. Uh, you should. Persona 4? It, See, Persona 4. That had the the story I was the most interested in, but the characters I was the least interested in. So I that's got... fucking bonkers to me. The characters in Persona Four are insanely well written. Jeez, um, they that they was the they're stronger the than the Persona thing, Five cast for sure. The, the weird I maybe I just didn't play enough of it. The weird. Do you mean Teddy? Egg, he was a the, bear. Teddy, his yeah, name Teddy was Teddy. Threw me off, and they were like going into TVs, Theodore. and I was like, I don't know, I just. Maybe I should try the Persona 4. I had the classic version. Maybe I should try the Persona 4 uh, 
Um, Get yourself a Vita. The classic version is good. Like, I don't think it needed those changes. They, they weren't bad changes, but, like, no, it was a solid all. game to begin with. No, I didn't. I didn't think it was bad. I just like I thought the the like the core storyline of like those there were like kids getting murdered at the beginning. That's all I remember. People it was were getting all mostly adults actually getting murdered. I I was really interested in that. It was just like, oh yeah, the uh, the in, the investigation team uh, like arc is great. That's one of the big draws in Persona Four. I mean, at this point, I guess it's one of those like I, I know who did it, so it's hilarious to me going through that story every time, being like, hey. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with the killer. I mean, yeah, look, I didn't, I'm not going to sit here and say I played enough of that game to really have a strong opinion. I just wanted to, like, I kind of wanted to Catherine it. Like, I wanted, like, the 15-hour story experience. Um, yeah. See, that's what I'm saying with the whole cut down on the grindiness. That's one of the reasons I, well, I like the thing just because the combat puzzle is amazing. That whole. It's, it feels yeah, so Yeah, the good. combat and is it feels great. even yeah. better now with those mm-hmm. two new elements. Uh, that I was talking about, Josh, like it, it feels even better now. There's a stronger flow to it, especially now that you can baton pass. Yeah, you know, your extra yeah, because I saw on. the the baton pass thing was something that they had before, I think, where you could pass off your. I, you could but, the, but, the way and, it worked in the original, and you had to unlock it mm-hmm. late game was that you could switch uh party members that were in your reserves out during combat. You could still mm-hmm. do that. But the the big change is being able to pass off that extra attack now. So if you yeah, don't I have think, the next exploitable weakness, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in one of the older Persona games, like basically as is. Um, I I'm blanking uh, on which one it was, but I like, can't remember. Because like the whole point was that you do a attack that knocks somebody down, switch to somebody else, and then they'd knock somebody else down, and like you'd pass the thing on, um, which yeah. is really cool. Well, it might have been what you're thinking of in the idea of like changing personas as the protagonist. Maybe, I, I was, but I was now I can, sure you could switch, but maybe not. It, it might have even been in five, but it might have been a late date uh, confidant yeah. unlock with the uh, with the shoji player. That could have been it, but it, anyway, yeah. I, I seem to have memories of that. But like the the other thing that was interesting was getting rid of ammo that basically meant the guns were useless for the vast majority of combat. Oh yeah, now ammo uh, ammo restocks after each fight. Yeah, yeah, that's. That actually lets you use them strategically instead of just yeah. Oh, I'm never going to use this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm never going to use yeah. my five bullets. It's Guns just... have plenty of reason to be used now, despite that time you're like, oh yeah, I think Pixie's weak to bullets. As mm-hmm. Pixie goes, no bullets, my one weakness. Yeah. Everyone, knows. I mean, believe me, man. Yeah. Like, I I wanted to love that game as much as you because there were so many things about it that I did love. I mean, I put like seventy hours into it. I even went back to it. And on my PSP and was trying to play it in my room because it was such a grind that I was like playing it in bed with like that PS, uh, PS Vita connection um, thing where you mm. can connect. But it was just like a little too laggy and like there were some annoying things in that game that I didn't know where I was going to run into like uh, the triggers. Like you can't set certain trigger buttons to the Vita. Um, you had it, to like you set them to the touchpad. Yes, and it was weird because like running and stuff was like R two yeah. or something. It, it was just there was a lot of things I ran into that were kind of conflicting and yeah, I don't. And I played three and some of four, and I was just and I really loved Catherine. But I like I said, I don't dislike the game. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was just like a lot, man. I put seventy hours in that fucking game, and Rich told me I was nowhere near the end of the game. Well, uh, when he told me what dungeon he was in, he's like, "Yeah, so I guess that next one's the last one." And I was like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> 
You've got like three to go, man. Yeah, they could have probably trimmed a couple of them. But they, I mean, it wasn't that they didn't do a good job with them. But there was a maybe a couple in the middle I could have done without. The like, um, the... I, I think I could agree that there's certain ones that you could lose. Like the the one following the one you were up to, uh, I think has some of the most important plot significance, but is also the most boring fucking dungeon. <laughs> Is it? Oh, so I didn't. Oh, wow, that's and I didn't like the Egyptian one either. I thought that one. Was oh, I fucking love that one. I think that's one of the better ones. Really? See, yeah. my favorite one was the first one, and then I thought the painting one was all right because um, it was unique, and the bank one was kind of boring. Well, it fit the theme of the game. It was like you were. It was like a a giant bank vault, basically. Well, yeah, but I mean that even beyond that, like I think the one you you were up to the casino, which I think is one of the like strongest dungeons. Even like the the way the boss fight is designed around the roulette table, like there's so many smart things in that dungeon. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough game too. Um, so okay, so you don't know that much about her yet, but she's a new character, new room. I I have my suspicions she. that she is already a Persona user. Okay, well, I imagine she would have to be. She's well, no, I mean most of the characters don't acquire their Persona until you meet them. So the the reason they're acquiring it is basically because of you. Well, because they follow you into a the palace. Thieves. Oh, gotcha. So she, you think she was already a persona? I okay. think she's already aware of her power. Okay, her power. All right. Um. So you sounds like you are qu- enjoying it quite. What's the thing that you think like for you as someone who is really enthusiastic about? You know, it was your game of the year in 2017. Um. What's the? What do you think the single most? Like the biggest feature for you that you're like, yes, this is this is such a good thing that I'm happy to play this game again for a hundred hours. Um, I the changes in combat are probably the biggest, and right behind that are just I think the narratives as alluring as ever to me, and I'm interested to see how the new narrative arcs play out. Yeah. Also, those combat challenges are super fun. <laughs> gotta get that platinum. You gotta get are, that. Uh, I didn't explain too much about them, but they're score based. Um, okay. like it's more about they're throwing waves at you and you get bonus points for ending it in a certain amount of rounds. Uh, there'll be multipliers like damage, uh, on does is multiplied by seven and you're trying to get the multiplier up to a certain number. They're, uh, they're really well thought out. Any new music? Uh, yeah, plenty of new music. And I have the soundtrack as well. Cause I bought the, uh, the phantom thieves edition. I will say probably my favorite part of persona five was the music. Really that shit slaps. Great music, yeah. Mm-hmm. It really was. Me and, me and Rich are having an interesting conversation this week about how frustrating it is in the beginning of that. And maybe Shay could speak to this a little more as well because he's lived in Japan. Japan. He's lived in Japan. He's lived in Japan for so long. But um, like at the, the beginning of that game, it's frustrating because you're in the main character, basically gets uh, arrested and, or he gets shipped away for protecting a girl who appears to be being either raped or abused by a rich. Um, like Japanese businessman, I guess. And He's a politician. You, politician, you like step in and help. And I, I mean, while it is to what you're talking about, the way that like they shame him for like interfering. Yes, like he yeah. goes to this new town, and everyone treats him like a piece of shit, and I just want, I'm just well, like, dude, tell them that you were stopping a girl from getting raped. Like, well, what the fuck? Again, I think you, what you and I talked about, like it's cultural to a degree, and it's also supposed to drive home that point of like adults not getting it whereas like he was a kid so he should have like minded his own business and this person's powerful and all that in the face of rape though is weird to me well that's what would happen to me if i tried to stop trump from raping one of the people he raped so like most women he speaks with Mm, yeah i don't know it's not like 
no one would, you know, believe them and then elect someone who obviously <laughs> raped so many people. What a crazy idea. Yeah. This is really bumming me out. This whole conversation is really making me sad. I just, but anyway, I, 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 oh God, the storyline was realistic. No. no, I mean, it was just that that wasn't necessarily that was only part of my issue. My main yeah. issue or frustration with Rich was that like the Persona series right now is in this weird place where you don't create your own character, but you also your character is oh, not I, really. I, I don't think I, I don't think I talked much with you more about that when you said you were hoping the next one lets you create a character. I really hope they don't do that. Well. Either create it. Well, here's the thing. He's not really much of a character like Joker, for example. He's sort of like a halfway thing where it's like he's kind of an avatar, but he, you kind of choose what he says. And I, he's not like a full all the way character like Jesse or like an Arthur Morgan, but he's also not like an empty avatar. He's kind of like right in the middle. It's like a weird. I, I think I did stress to you in this version. He's more of a character and they, clear, character. they clearly recorded a lot more VO for him. Did they? OK, that's interesting. They're trying to make, and I think that's oh, a good also Morgana change. tells you to go to sleep less. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, they th- that was one of the changes I noticed immediately was I was not being told to go to bed by my fucking cat uh, all the time. The simple solution for that is they in those early hours when you can't really leave LeBlanc, they just added a lot more for you to do inside the cafe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the funny thing is I think the developers even know that it's a very slow-paced game, like because it's the it's the only game I've ever played in my entire life that has a fast-forward feature available on your first playthrough, um, which is fascinating to me. Like, <laughs> it's definitely not the only one I've ever played that has that. But uh, the fast for- the reason the fast-forward is there is because that game's designed with a lot of new game plus stuff in mind. Yeah, but I mean, but they give it to you on your first playthrough, which I think is is interesting mm. um, and helpful because you know there's there's times where even when you're enjoying the game, you're like, okay, I need to go eat this burger to up this whatever stat. Let me just fast forward. Are you anti fast forward or pro fast forward? What are you? Um, I'm pro it being there because having the option is always nice. And like you said, when it comes down to uh, certain things. You're just so grinding out, do, kinda, yeah. redoing an activity you've seen uh, the thing for a million times over. A million times, yeah. Then th- that's fine. Oh, so here's a weird thing I noticed when I was playing it last night that I, I'm not sure if this is new. I think it is. You remember the batting cages being an activity you could do? I do, yes. Um, now if you go to the batting cages at night, uh, the guy at the batting cages tells you, he's like, hey, it's nighttime. We don't have a lot of people here, so there's no limit to how many balls you can hit. So you just end it when you want to if you're at the batting cages at night. Hmm. Really? Okay. So I was just grinding out home runs for prizes. Just forever? <laughs> That's cool. I must have hit 200 balls. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That sounds fun, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it that's cool. It sounds, sounds fun. Like... Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yes. Like, it sounds fun, and then I stop and think about, like, the like the mini game in final fantasy 15 that also has no limit and you realize you just stop when you want to stop and you realize exactly what that meant and uh well also i'm pretty brain sure just dies a little bit what the pinball machine yeah 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 that pinball machine had a lot going on i'm also pretty sure you can't unlock all the prizes at night like there are certain ones that are only available during the day mm. when there's a limit so it, it it's more like i think the reason they have nighttime there is like you can grind out the simple prizes and also gives you a good chance to practice the mini game with no constraints okay. 
the the reception to Persona Five has always been interesting to me because the people that review it are big fans of the series and they're very passionate about it, like the riches of the world. Because like that game has like a ninety five Metacritic and that is not easy to get. Um, it's and and it doesn't seem like the it's kind a of game, game with that a passionate fan base. It, it does. It, it's interesting. It really is. Like people I, love people like Persona. Fucking love Persona Five. Well, well, that's why it's almost funny. I, I would totally suggest us doing this at some point when we do get our editorials up. Uh, an old game stop. Uh, game, game spot. Yeah, an old game. I think it was a game spot feature, or it might have been a game informer feature that I used to really love back in the day. Was a uh, second opinion. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, let's say I reviewed Persona 6, because of course I would. Um, then we'd have, like, someone like you, Morgan, also review Persona 6 as the second opinion review, going, I'm someone who doesn't really play Persona games, but I also played this game, and as a newcomer, here's what I think of it. Yeah, that's true. But although, to be fair, I've played 3, 4, and 5. Oh, I'm not a... saying that's necessarily true of you. I'm just you Oh, know I see what, what you're mean. saying. Yes, yes, yes. I, I wanted to do something like that with Doom or something like that, because I think that is interesting. I know we have slightly different opinions on that, and I think that second opinion shit's cool. And it's kind of just a two—it's kind of a steal from like Game Informer and stuff like that. But everyone does a fucking second opinion. But I like the idea of it. Um, it's fun to kind of bounce it off uh, each other. So, and again, I dude, Catherine was my game of the year that year. So I love what they do. I just yeah, the I I'm not as fond of the um, turn-based RPG now as you are. I get it, man. I like Cubert too. You have that dude. I love Cuber. Who doesn't? Everybody loves. We need Cuber. to have a Catherine tournament at some point. I would oh, love man. that very much. I'm going to use the Joker skin. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, some, you know, at one point I can get off my. I'll have to get that new. We were joking about this. Um, if if I was going to play Catherine again, I would have to try and date the new Catherine because why? You know, if they make a whole new character, you want to see the new plot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Otherwise, what's the? What's, although part of me was like. No, if you're really faithful to your Catherine, you wouldn't do it, Morgan. I was like, oh. That's because your brain's broken. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, anyway, so if Persona 5 is, if that's your cup of tea and you, none of these other games seem interesting right now, or look, The Last of Us 2 is being delayed and you want to fill a lot of time, um, that, Rich can that tell you. That will oh, tide you over. Also worth noting, you forever. know. Stuff's happening. Final Fantasy VII preloaded itself on my console today. How, how bitter are you that uh, Australia got Final Fantasy VII uh, I'm not because I just wouldn't know what the my brain would be exploding with yeah, Resident right Evil, now. Final Fantasy VII, and Persona Five Royal all on my plate at the same fucking time. Because like I mean I'm gonna finish Persona Five Royal, but when FF Seven comes, I might just be like I know what a gigantic investment Persona is. I might just like backburner it. it, yeah, um, get through FF Seven and then jump back to it. Man, yeah, it is. It's crazy. It really is. It really is. Um. All right, cool. Well, that's. I think that's a good a good rundown of Persona F- uh, Royal for now. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, once I'm like through more of it, once I finish it, it yeah, I can always yeah. speak a little bit more about what I think the significant changes are. But I mean, the main reason I wanted to talk about it this week is because, granted, I've already put a considerable amount of time of it, and I'm in the second yeah. palace. But like the amount of new stuff I noticed so quickly was surprising. Yeah, it's interesting. I. It's the kind of thing we could talk about if we had a lot more time for something kind of off the beaten path or a chomping after dark one day. But like me and Josh, Josh was the one who got me to try Persona 3. Um, Look at that nice steel book. And I think I just missed Persona 4 because I came to it late. Yeah, that is nice. And I really, like I said, there's a lot of things about Persona 5 that I do really love. 
Uh, I've said it on the podcast. I think it's the most stylish game ever created. Nice sticking to it. It's so it's so amazing to look at. Even oh. even in the combat, like just the way like all these little things, like the menus and everything, the way you would ta- like it's just so crazy slick. Um, and that was coming from someone who originally thought that Phantom Thief look was kind of silly, but it, it it grew on me. I started to appreciate it's, uh, it. Yeah, it's got it's got quite the aesthetic to it. It does. It, does um cool all right well persona expert rich meister um we'll catch up with that as we do with all these games over time um shay is oh shay has lurched up from the shadows look at that what a guy um we want to do some brief follow-up on doom eternal because rich finished it and shay is about to finish it uh i think me and josh are mostly where we were last week so doom eternal you put a bow on it um, I did. A bloody um, bow, covered with a, a, a very guts. bloody bow. I did all the Slayer gates, all that fun stuff. Uh, got the Unmaker weapon, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I've heard that is in Doom sixty four, which we're talking about later. Is that true? Uh, I Maybe you don't know. Believe so. They said there's some sort of big weapon in Doom sixty four. I don't remember if it was called that in Doom sixty four though, but there was definitely a weapon that behaves the same. The Unmaker. Okay. Uh, maybe it's called that now to tie it all together. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I wrapped up Doom Eternal. Uh, I think my thoughts on it run pretty simply at this point. I, I really liked it for what it was. The combat's fun. Uh, I thought the story was a lot more up Id's alley. Uh, it's wacky. It was stupid. It was fun. I, I said this to you recently. I, I could agree with you on the point of as far as like a deep tightly knit narrative it's no doom 2016 in terms of the game of the year potential but i think it just it, it was fun for what it was it it beat me up a little bit as i got through it on ultraviolence and i i came out the end really liking that game that's fair i um i mean i'm pretty much at the end i i have the last two bosses to beat and then i'm done and uh i I was very, very high on it when we talked about it last week, and I'm a little, not much, but a little less high on it this week. I feel, and th- this is something we talked about pretty at length last week, so it's more of just further perspective on it. The game is at certain points combat-wise horribly imbalanced. We already discussed that last week, but I wanted to make another note of it because I've gotten much further in the game, obviously. The Slayer Gates are a prime example of that. Uh, Slayer Gates 2 and 5 are insanely, insanely difficult. And then the other ones feel slightly harder than the normal gameplay, but not much. Like, And there, there's even one or, one or two of them that just feel super easy in comparison. And I was very, very confused why there was why two and five happened to be the most difficult ones. You would think that with that kind of system, you would tier it to have the easiest ones first. And then when you get to the sixth and final Slayer gate, that it would be the most difficult. So there's definitely some, some issues with uh, the difficulty between the Slayer gates. And I don't know if that's due to the imbalance of the loadout you have when you approach these particular gates or how upgraded you are or aren't, which may or may not play a factor. I'm not sure. I'm sure it does, but there's just a level of imbalance there. And 
it doesn't permeate as much in the normal game, but it's definitely a huge problem with the Slayer Gates, for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. And th- those those two ones standouts uh, are. Did you finish them all out of curiosity, Shay? The Slayer Gates at this point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Pretty I much all shocked. I have left to do. All I have to do is just the two bosses, and then I missed. I think I've missed mm. two items that I have to go back for. But other than that, yeah, pretty much done. Because uh, I, w- I was shocked after, like, going through five, like I said, real challenge, and I was, like, high on having beat that one, and then I steamrolled Slayer Gate 6, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's exactly what happened to me. I went to six, and I beat it in one try, and I was like, that's the last one? What the fuck? Like, because five was insanely difficult, and two was the most difficult part in the entire game for me. Um, five was a close second, for sure. Like mm-hmm. I beat my head against the wall for both of those Slayer Gates for hours, but those are the only two that I would say like were really up on the multiple tries. All the other ones, first or second try. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So I just I don't yeah. understand why there's that level of imbalance there, but it happened. It is what it is. It's it's a it's an optional part of the game, but it's still a part of the game, and that should be noted. Um, I. I love a lot of the enemies in this game. I love some of the ones that they added, like the uh, Maker Angels, I believe that's what they're called. Um, they're enemies mm. towards the end of the game. I like those enemies. They're pretty unique and interesting um, in accordance with the story. Some of the other enemies are really cool. Uh, I was talking about it with Morgan before the show. Some of the enemies are gimmicky as fuck, and I don't like them. Um, the Marauder is uh one of the one of the first mini bosses or bosses you come across. I think he's the second or third boss that you have to fight. And I can't fucking stand that enemy. Um Oh really? That's I, I kinda lean the other way on that. Once once I, I got the flow down with him, I really enemy. liked him. Yeah, it's so Josh, That's if you haven't seen the Marauder yet, it's like they were going for a completely different kind of thing. Like it's a defensive enemy and you have to watch like a flash in its eyes to attack it. It has like a dog creature that like runs it's with a tiger it. a tiger a that toiger. runs with it the tiger king of course yeah. it's coming full circle later it's um uh, but it's it's like dark people have compared it to like a dark souls meets doom enemy which is a little extreme but that's what they're okay. going and i totally hated them at first i'll, I'll agree with shay but once i kind of got yeah, the, the loop down and figured out which weapons i liked using against them i was into it and uh i don't know well, if I, you uh you've realized what they're supposed to be in the lore not that that matters in a big way well, tell me. I, this sounds oh, stupid, and the, I need um, to hear it now that Doom is stupid again. The the Sentinels, so, yeah. uh, who I'm sure you've heard about at this point, uh, they're supposed to be Sentinels that uh, sided with the, the Maker and oh, uh, okay. became hellified. <laughs> yeah, but I, honestly, I didn't know if I I didn't know if they were frustrating in design or I just sucked at them, and I've only fought one. So I like that was my oh, you've only fought okay. It's a combination of the two. It's probably I think, both. You were probably now, they are strange because. <laughs> There's two they weapons so that work defensive. on them that I like. So, I was using the um, that like sniper laser. Oh, fuck, I forgot the name of the, it. The the caster was one yes. of the main ones I used. But yeah. what I found the the best way to do it at a point is um, super shotgun. Wait for them to approach you. Blast them with the super shotgun. Then use the meat hook to flip behind them so they have to turn around. Um, and then they'll oh, light wow. up again as they're coming at you, and you can fire a second time. And like, that's actually a pretty repeat. intricate strategy. I'm proud of you. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that is that is a little 
extreme because like I I did super shotgun as well, but obviously you dash. My strategy is much simpler. Just dashing into the side, and then when he shoots the uh, arrow, when he rushes at you, you pelt him with a super shotgun, and then you actually blast him again. You have enough time to get two shots in with it, and then yeah. you just dash oddly to enough, the side. and you're gonna again. This goes to the whole game being about rotation and whatnot. Reload times are really long in this game. Switching Very weapons long. super fast. And yeah. reload the weapons. So you super shotgun, you do anything else that hits super strong, probably the uh the uh, bow. The, the yeah, the sniper. And then you super super shotgun again because you can get three shots in for every one of those things, and he takes like two cycles to kill that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean the thing yeah. is he's not he's not necessarily the most difficult enemy in the game. I, I don't feel that like as I because the game throws and I was telling Morgan this earlier, they throw more marauders at you throughout the game. And obviously yeah, yeah. after fighting the fucking seventh or eighth one, you're like, OK, I pretty much got have this enemy down. I, I understand how to defeat this enemy. He's not as much of a problem, but he's still fucking annoying and he's still super gimmicky. I think I must have died 40 times fighting the first one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the amount like in the second one, too, because that was. Part of the reason why I had such a difficult time with the fifth Slayer Gate is because you have all these enemies that are teleporting at you, and then you have the Maker Angels continuing to res- respawn, which they're the saving grace, obviously, in that battle because you headshot them and you getting getting health back. Yeah. Yes. Um, they just spew health. Right, and those like that that Hellgate or that Slayer Gate is just fucking annoying. And the thing with those enemies is I don't like the fact at the end of the day, for two things. One, that they spawn the dog, because that dog is super fucking hard to hit, and especially the fifth Slayer Gate, when you're trying to avoid literally 20 things shooting at you, and then you have this dog running at you, and then you have this other enemy running at you too, which he's faster than you unless you're dashing. But also that it encourages that in your loadout that, Weapons are used for one or two enemies primarily. Now, granted, the super shotgun, super shotgun works for a lot of enemies. It's very useful, but its prime targets are the pinky and the marauder. I mean, those are the two that the super shotgun yeah, is especially so. effective on. But the other, the uh, the other weapon you guys are talking about, the bolt caster with the uh, the uh, add-on to that, is. I mean, it's useful for other enemies, but it seems like it was primarily made to fight this Marauder. And that's the one thing I don't really like about this game um, as compared to Doom 2016 is that it seemed like when you had when you used guns in Doom 2016, you were using them because that was your style. That was the way you fought. That's the way you played the game. And there was a level of balance in that. And there was... And I know this was, I, if I remember correctly, Josh kind of had a slight criticism about this, like why I have all these weapons. Um, I might be misremembering. That's certainly possible. Um, why I have all these weapons um, when they all are, you know, and you're, you're constantly yeah. getting this ammo when basically they are same skill level or same ability. But this game, it's like, okay, well... This weapon's useful against one or two enemies. This use weapon is useful against one or two enemies. And then when you can mm-hmm. 
when you consider that with what Josh was saying about switching weapons and how low it, uh, how long it takes and reloading this these weapons and how long it takes on top of micromanaging everything else you're trying to do such as your flame belts your grenades your frozen grenades your dash cuz you're trying to avoid enemies you're trying to um what is it called the 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 punching the the power punch i can't remember what the, the blood punch yeah. yes thank blood you punch. the blood punch the chainsaw you're trying to micromanage all these systems on top of that you consider the fact the slow times on top of that the weapons that work on one or two enemies it's just a ton of fucking micromanaging in the combat which at times i really did like and i enjoyed that but then when you consider the specific enemy or <coughs> excuse me a few other enemies in the game that are very gimmicky like that it's it takes away from the flow of what made doom 2016 so awesome because that game just flows with the combat it's non-stop and this one tried to add more strategy and like i said last week in a lot of places it works and with this enemy in specific in specific and a few others it just wasn't welcome for me as i got further into the game josh i know you wanted to say something i apologize for going so long go ahead um yeah no the combat is not as strong as 2016 it's just it was a like i said this last week it's it feels bloated it is it's bloated it's bloated (laughs) um bloated and i made a video out of that yeah and i mean 2016 had its issues like because it kind of had the opposite problem it was a little on the easy side the uh the pistol is amazing it's the best gun it's like it's and the, it's gone now. It's the best it's the best gun since, you know, the pistol in Halo one. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like let's let's completely overtune the pistol. Um and it was just like that. Um Well you gotta get those shard shots in, baby. Mm-hmm. But uh Yeah. I just I'm I'm not a big fan of just micromanaging everything. All the cooldowns, just maximizing your rotation. And it's not even that it's they make it as hard as possible to do that um, because you don't see ammo of weapons unless you're currently using them. So, like, you have to try to keep in your head what weapon you're switching to, like, to know mm-hmm. if they, you have ammo for it. You can't see cooldown of whatever grenade you don't currently have selected. Also, who's the masochist who turns off the setting where it automatically switches you to a weapon with ammo when you run out of ammo? <laughs> I is that know, a setting? obviously because otherwise you don't know what weapon it's going to switch you to so you just yeah get i'm fucking kind of okay with working anything. on the f- well i guess you know what it is i'm nine times out of ten i'm opening up my weapon wheel anyway mm. um so i'm not really thinking in that he- headspace i guess yeah i'm big yeah same okay i, I have never yeah, I... used that horrible weapon wheel you, you said what you one, don't two, use three, the weapon four. wheel how like, are you playing you the game re- without the weapon wheel uh by directly selecting the weapon i want I got uh, on the weapon. I changed them around because the default settings put the strong weapons you get at the end way at the end of the numbers, which fucking sucks. You've got to move the super shotgun and bolt caster, so it's different. Closer to uh, buttons, you can just reach up and touch. Um, That's an interesting way of playing it because I I totally use the weapon wheel as well, and I I see some of the criticism there of like. You you totally when you go out when you run out of ammo for a weapon and it just switches you into some random weapon like I'm sitting there with my my uh basically the assault rifle is the mod where like you have the extra turret mm-hmm. and you're sitting there blasting an enemy 
and you run out of ammo and then suddenly I'm using my plasma rifle and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like that happened to me a few yeah. times and it's not a big deal. That's more, that's more of like me needing to micromanage those systems better. But at the same time, it kind of speaks to what you guys are saying. Like you have all these systems that you're trying to micromanage at the same time. All these things are happening yeah. because it is a wave of fucking enemies. And then that's something yeah. that's going to sometimes just inevitably be forgotten by the average person. Like, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the Dune, 20, Dune 2016 was a little more reflexive base. Cause I feel like I could use any weapon, but if they're leaning into a different kind of combat puzzle with this one, with, if yeah. what you're saying is true, needing to look for specific enemies more or weapons for specific enemies is just leaning into a different kind of combat puzzle, which is maybe inherently less satisfying for us. It's, it's less, I mean, it was, it's, I don't, I don't know if I would say overall it's less satisfying. I'd say the type of satisfaction is different. I wouldn't say it's less or more because you think about doom 2016 and you said it's reflexive. So there's yeah. that instant gratification there. Like you do something, you are instantly satisfied with it. And this is speaking strictly for people who enjoyed the game, enjoyed the combat. I obviously understand that not everyone's going to feel this way. Whereas you think about this game, like when you go into this arena area in any of the levels, because that's like those big pockets of enemies are called arenas. When you go into one of those arenas and then you're like, okay, this area is heavy on makers, pinkies, uh, the cyber demons, and then the caco demons. Okay, so these are the weapons that I need to immediately switch my loadout to as soon as i eliminate these enemies with these weapons i need to switch my weapons to these loadout like this loadout so you kill the caco demons with whatever it is whether you use the um the mod on the um i think it's the arbalest mod um whether you use that or um your rocket launcher okay you kill the caco or the demons. bad one Oh, yeah, or anything. And <laughs> so, Kako, how many times are we going to say Kako Demons? Good Lord. I'll say it one more time. So That's you kill the Kako Demons, and then, okay, so <laughs> Just now... Just keep going, Sherry. <laughs> I have the Pinkies. So you kill the binky, the Pinkies with your super shotgun. Okay. <laughs> you kill those Binkies. So, the Binkies. You kill the Binkies. <laughs> this is out of control. You kill the Pinkies with the super shotgun. Okay, well, now I still have the Cyber Demons, and I still have the other one I said I forgot already. So now I need to switch the gun loadout. So mm. it's just... With that, it's there's more strategy involved. There's a little bit more planning involved, um, and you have to make those adjustments on the fly. And sometimes you have to go in and die once to know, okay, like this is this is the wave, and this is how it goes. And so you know, your first of the three waves in the arena is fairly easy. The second one is super difficult, and the third one is kind of like. Uh, in between the th first and third level okay well you have to plan out with the loadouts and where where you are more relatively safe in the arena but once you defeat that it's not that instant gratification you feel but it's that like gratification you feel like okay i made this basic strategy it worked out i've i've been able to defeat this part of the level and there's a different it's a different type of gratification and i it's interesting because when you compare doom 2016 to this game there there are, are a lot of similarities in a, at face value, but then you consider like the mechanics and the systems, and it almost feels like two different games in a way because the systems don't work the same. 
And yeah. I think this was like this is one of the big They're vastly reasons different. why I think the there's that difference. Like I mentioned this before, like far more of this game revolves around the flamethrower. Like armor is just that's the thing. You're not doing glory kills in this game without going out of your way to do them because all the weapons are spammy in this game. You get you stagger something and then you just accidentally kill it so often unless mm-hmm. you're specifically just tapping and trying to more to often when I glory kill something, I'm setting it on fire first to get health and armor. Exactly. Um, and it feels like the, I don't know, like, again, that the the first assault rifle you get just feels like it's not quite the pistol. It's like, it's like, that's what they wanted it to be. It's not quite accurate enough, but it's like, that's what they're trying to give to you the do. same experience of. Um I don't know. It's like, it's just so much of the game feels like it's almost there. Just not quite finely tuned enough. Yeah. Maybe that's why they delayed the thing. It makes you wonder, you know, like, uh, they, this one had a pretty sizable delay even way before this Corona stuff. So I, I'm curious about that. I mean, I'm not, I think you guys have, look, I'm not going to harp on the story stuff anymore and go back and listen to the last two podcasts for that. That's like a, a running joke that we have, but yeah, it's, uh, they made some choices, and it's interesting. It yeah, Morgan and I will save this argument for the middle of the day during the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, you know, sequels, I, I'm, I'm not upset at them for trying new things. I think sequels should be brave and should be weird and try stuff. It's just... You just hope uh, maybe it's uh, something a little better across the board if they, if they take another swing at it. Yeah. I think... But to be I fair, hope, I'm not really sure I, what the I Doom Slayer the slays day, from here. <laughs> I hope at the end of the day they take the best elements of 2016 and the best elements of eternal and kind of fuse it, excuse me, into a future title because there were, like we talked about last week, there are a lot of things that they do in this game that are welcome. Like the platforming elements, I still really enjoyed them. Um, There were a few moments of, excuse me, sorry. There are a few moments of aggravation. I don't know if that's due to, bad level design at those p- particular moments I, or if that's just i'd have to think it is inadequacy um i, th- I think I, so too to be honest with you if we're talking about the same thing like there are too many too many instances because the platforming feels great and tight but there are too many instances where i had to stop and pull out my map and be like where the fuck am i supposed to be jumping or whatever yes yeah um josh josh had said it last week and I think I, I think I, uh, I, no, I definitely disagreed with him, and I think I have to retract slightly. Is um, some of the platforming and level design is kind of bad, and Morgan also bad. mentioned this. Is uh, towards the end, there are a few places where you have to jump to areas that you can't see, and it becomes even more prevalent towards the end. And they're trying to. They're trying to make you utilize everything that you've learned up till that point, but they do it in a way to where there were some, there's some gaps in what you were doing to make it not intuitive of where I'm supposed to go next. It's like, okay, I, I would spend like a minute like, okay, where the fuck am I supposed to go? I'm looking at the ceiling. I'm looking at the yeah. floor, looking left, looking at the right. I'm trying to peer for any cracked walls if I'm missing anything. And it's like, 
there's this little cubby and it's like, oh, I'm actually supposed to double jump and then double dash and then just fucking magically yeah. grab the wall and you don't have any yeah. sight yeah. or a line yeah. of sight. It's for so that. strange that you have to look into all the bottomless pits to discover if it's one you're supposed to jump in. Um yeah, it's a weird choice. I, I think that second to last level, Shay, specifically, there are some platforming sections in that on that planet where I found myself going like every jump I felt like was by the skin of my teeth and it just didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I've like, noticed some. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. There are some weird things with the momentum in this game um, that. There are. I don't think are programmed that great. I've seen a few videos about how it just it runs differently at different frame rates. Um, I don't I don't know if you've noticed this. You maintain momentum when you're going up and down hills. So yeah. if you hit a tiny lip, either up or down, whenever you're going to jump, you'll get way more or less air. And so that little thing can can make, make a or break jump you. Fe- feel just completely different than you're expecting it to um yeah. like i noticed this I, I i figured this out at the uh, at the uh, the doom castle because there are so many staircases around there and i realized oh wow i'm just i'm launching off some of these tiny little staircases every now and then um without meaning to and like i don't know like there's probably some really cool stuff you can do with it once you learn about it, but it's one of those things that it's it feels so unnatural that it doesn't it, feel like it it's could supposed just screw to be you happening. up. It could just screw you up if you're not intentionally looking for it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So. And especially because there's there are a few times where it doesn't call for like Meat Boy level precision, but it still calls for some precision. And if you're trying to dash to the next platform, sometimes you fall short because. You, um you you held the button for a second like a split second too short and then you miss the platform or as you what you're talking about when you're dashing you dashed for a half second too long you're on the back end of the ledge and then you slide off and it's like okay when i normally jump i'm not doing the sliding how how am i supposed to account for the level of uh I guess friction or the level of momentum that carries you through that as you slide off a platform. And some of these platforms are situated over lava or water that you might drown, like a brackish water or whatever the elements that you are trying to avoid. So yeah, there's, there's a little bit of the physics there with jumping that becomes unnatural. I would say, yeah, I would agree with that. It's interesting hearing like because you were a little bit behind us last week how like you're you're starting to echo a little bit more of those sentiments that we were talking about um but you were a lot you were a lot like you said you were a lot higher last week so it's it's interesting to see because we play these at a different pace sometimes yeah Um, well i'm still i'm still really high on the game like don't 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 get me don't miscredit me with saying that I st- I think the game's like much worse. I'm pointing out the things that I noticed that I didn't notice initially, and I think that it's important to note these things because Rich said something and I was talking about it yesterday as well with the patrons is that I feel like Doom 2016 was in contention for game of the year material or is yeah, it was in contention for game of the year. It was an um, phenomenal game. 
And I, that's why I can understand, Morgan, why you had the expectations you had for this game. I think that Doom Eternal is a great game. And but it's not in contention. It's not in contention. Yeah. I don't think. But we'll see. We'll see at the end of the year. Like, there's one... Yeah. There's well, I mean, one... at this rate, we might not get any more video games. Well, how, so, how, right? how high I am on some of the other things i I think it's still not year. top five at this point in the year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Think... As of right now, I'll give it top five. But God, <laughs> if that stays, I'm going to And I go And I gave Game of the Year uh, to Final Fantasy VII Remake. I gave... Uh, runner up to the original Final Fantasy VII from 1997. <laughs> I just thought it was that that good. It deserved it. That's right. Game that's right. Year, Throw it on the list. Animal, but well, if we had to do some an, of the, a game of the year right now, it'd probably be Animal Crossing, right? It would definitely be in the conversation. Back back on back on the talk of what Such we're talking about, answer, not game of the year. I love that. <laughs> um, one thing I do like about this game is the environments feel like they drastically change, which is a welcome addition as compared to doom 2016 i feel like a lot of the levels they do change in doom 2016 but i felt like it was a lot of red palettes and brown palettes and gray palettes um that i was working with and then in this game like you go to all these different locations and they feel different and actually morgan you haven't gotten to it yet it's called taras nabad or nabad I don't know how to pronounce it. I forgot now, mm-hmm. but it's fucking okay. gorgeous. It looks like something. Oh, that's when op- you actually go to hell, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it looks like it's something pulled out of Halo. Like, because this is the mission where you first started Doom slaying. Like, it's you go into the past and you get your Crucible, which is this awesome sword, um, which is a really cool weapon in the game that you can basically cleave anything in half. And it's an instant kill, but you only get a few charges on it. Three, yeah, it's got three charges at a time, and picking them up is rare. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it just like the environments in the game. I feel like they vastly improved upon that, and I think they were able to showcase that with the platforming, which is also why I like the platforming so much too. Is because you get to go to all these really beautiful, cool areas in the game because they did so much more with the environments and the levels and i think that's that was um beneficial for the game for me and it gave more relevancy yeah, to the platforming you do last the game. week the, env- the environments are yeah they're really breathtaking that's one of the few things we discussed last week that i we did just incredible yeah that's what makes some of the we other stuff did. so frustrating because the the environments are so goddamn good looking they um, are totally. they are and um I I like a lot of the different elements that they try in the game. I know we talked about it last week. You guys talked about it a little bit more than I did, like uh, the point in the game where you control um, one of the demons. Um, I think that was the point I was at last week. And they try some different elements too. Like they try some crazy shit. Like they throw in the crucible, which is this ridiculous weapon that I, I've really enjoyed using that weapon. They add the level that Rich was talking about. Like you have to step on these um, switches that open up these like glowing rings in the sky and they vault you across the map, but they have like a rise and fall and you have to time your jumping with that, which is what Rich was talking about. It feels like you just get there by the skin of your teeth. Um, like they added these elements in the game that were not in the f- doom 2016 and they're trying different things and i really like that because it didn't feel like i was going into an area killing a bunch of enemies recharging my ammo 
going into an area, killing a bunch of enemies, recharging my ammo. Um, they added these other elements that made the game, like broke up the monotony of just carnage. And I think that's one of the strongest parts about this game is that um, you basically are breaking that up with platforming. You're breaking it up with looking at the environments. You're breaking that up with these different mechanical elements that they added to the game. And I think that was, in a lot of ways, its strongest point. Obviously, we, we just spent some time talking about how those elements didn't quite work. Um, but that's... that's I think with some more fine-tuning... Uh, like yes. in, in a potential sequel, that stuff could be really great. Exactly. Yeah, if they, exact, if, like exactly you were saying, right. they can combine the best of 2016 and the best of this game, and they make another one. I, again, my optimism will still be Doom Eternal. Very high. Do, yeah, they kind of fucked themselves by jumping all the way to well, Doom Eternal. It's I mean, the same thing with like <laughs> Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Uh, I was like Doom Infinite. Uh, you know what are they gonna the do? Next, What's the next 13 months? Call of Duty Eternal. Finite Warfare. Mm-hmm. They enjoy their goofy names, so it'd be like Doom Eternal. I don't know. We'll I don't see. think I, I don't think anything's more egregious than them going Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1. <laughs> but we spelled out the word. See what we did? We pulled a yeah, same on, with yeah. Xbox 360, Xbox One. Wait, what? Um Threw us we, all we, off. We need to get to some polls here, but I because we're going a little long, uh, the show's getting a little bloated. But I did want to say that uh, I am enjoying Doom sixty four. Um, one of our patrons, Jeffrey, uh, was kind of pushing me to play it playfully, saying that he, he thinks it's an amazing Doom game, and that game is we we're talking about a little bit before the show. But Doom sixty four was kind of a game that was shat on in history. Um, if you go back and look at the Metacritic, like I think the GameSpot review I was looking at, just for like nostalgia's sake, was in the sixes, and I was like, "Good God, that's a uh, that is not good." Um, yeah, we should do a Doom Eternal. Uh, or man, honestly, I would love it. You guys didn't play. You haven't played I'd Doom love in a to long explain time, the lore to you. I would. I would love to do a, a calling. Show me after dark for both of them. Uh, I feel like doing one for the shittier story is a trap. I mean, I don't know if I told you, Morgan, I did also replay Doom 2016 right before Eternal. Did you really? Yeah, I played through it on like a weekend. Jesus. No, you're fucking with me. Did you really? Yeah. Is this like a Last of Us situation where you beat that game in a weekend? You're a monster. It's not a long game. It's really not. Especially especially if you've gone through it before and you realize there's no reason to waste your time. And you don't have three children. Anything but a pistol. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe maybe we have different ideas of like a weekend bender, but uh, that seems like a, a weekend bender is getting hammered in my room alone. I can't <laughs> go out and see my friends anymore. Uh, but hey, power to you, man. I mean, Josh shattered all my expectations with his like seventeen thousand hour stream. So I mean, anything's possible. Um, it's true if you have the willpower. But yeah, no, it's honestly the biggest thing that struck me is obviously it looks and plays similar to anyone who's played like those classic Doom games, which I do have some nostalgia for. But the thing that struck me the most is that the music and the tone is much creepier than I thought it was going to be. It's well, not Doom sixty four is the the Doom game that takes place entirely in hell. Yes. Wait. What? Really? Yeah. I, okay. That's okay, the so the all... plot of Doom sixty four is. Doom guy has run out of demons to kill, so he takes the fight to hell. Well, that's my question. How do you know that there's a plot to it? Because there's no text in the game. There's no nothing. Because How- the creators have straight up like explained the the lore. Yeah, to it's it over it's the like years. uh, it was like a lot of games in the '90s. The story is in the uh, the booklet. 
Gotcha, gotcha. In the book, but, oh, in the booklet, yes, just, the booklet. Yes. Just know that um, the Doom sixty four plot is at this point, Doom guy can no longer satiate his rip and tear bloodlust. There's no demons left to kill, so he takes the fight to hell. You know what? I'm just gonna have to suck it up one day and just go absorb all this shitty lore. Which just will I'm lead you into now. why. Essentially, think of it this way: Doom sixty four. The events of Doom sixty four are the reason why in Doom twenty sixteen, when you go to hell, there's all this like lore about the Doom Slayer in hell, where they talk about him being like this boogeyman for them. Yes. No, that stuff I got, but I got it in sort of a comical video game sense because he was slaughtering fucking well, the, demons. The whole thing is you don't need that much context to get the. You don't need that much context to appreciate and, you know, the, the lead, beauty of... T- yeah. Lead, leads into him being sealed into a sarcophagus by demons. <laughs> um, but I think that's the beauty of that one, is you don't need a lot of that extra context. But anyways, yeah, the tone of that game is... There's there's no, like, rock music at all. Even, like, the original Doom had that... This one was just, like, um, like crazy, creepy, um, ominous, like synthy sounds and just like violins it's just oh well, they're weird working with tone. the 64 sound chip also you gotta keep that in mind it's and it's not bad like it's actually interesting in that way it's kind of like a very solemn dark doom and um one of the, the one thing that struck me in my first couple hours that i thought was interesting about sort of older doom game design was that i played it on a harder difficulty on the stream and like the key cards and the items were in different spots and then i played it on normal and it was like way different like not only were there a lot less enemies but like literally where they put yeah like key cards and vital le- level level design designs. was what we kind of touched this earlier was such a big part of the difficulty in oh, those dude, games because yeah. like you weren't getting health and ammo back by uh your own volition it's where they put it in the level for yeah. you to pick up um, yep. yes yeah, and yeah, and, and there was like this room where I, I hit this switch and I had to, it was like a time thing where I had to run into this little hole that, I, and you wouldn't even know it was there. And so you hit a switch and you're like, okay, what did that do? So you spend 10 minutes looking around for, you know, not that long, but you know what I mean. And like, okay, this looks like a door. And apparently this opens when I hit the switch. And in that was a key card. But whenever I dropped the difficulty, it was just ammo. And the blue door just opened. I didn't need a key card. So I was like, man, this is interesting. Like seeing the different um, gameplay changes were were just fascinating to me so i i honestly i am enjoying it um and if for who knows i might stick with it so that's cool i have to know i'm wrapped up in all this doom nonsense now and i feel <laughs> like i have an obligation to do it for better or worse that's what i feel doom. like a mm, I almost said a battered housewife. I know that's not a PC term that you should use anymore because domestic violence is terrible but that's a term people use you know the battered housewife term you know is it a um, term yeah i've literally never heard that term Am I confusing it with I another know, similar? I know he's term? right. I've heard people say that, but not people I respect. <laughs> well, if, if the I idea, add, add the idea to comes list, up to you enough to use it as a metaphor for something else, there's an underlying issue. A uh, battered wife. And besides, scenario? back then when that was acceptable, they just called it a regular housewife. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Um, <laughs> like, oh, wait, now that what I love are you doing... knowing for? You're the one who brought it up. I look. I didn't make up the term, and I don't agree with it. Then but you'll use, use it. it. I'm trying to find a good way to say, like, because I like Doom 2016 so much, I feel like now they're just gonna drag me through the fucking coals, and I'm gonna be stuck forever. That's what I'm fucking trying to say. 
That guy wasn't an astronaut. He was a comedian. And he was using going to the moon as a metaphor for hitting his wife. Uh-huh. God damn it. I knew I'd walk. Yeah, right let's go to the moon. Way. Pow, right in the kisser. Now I see. Look, I'm I see Googling you it right now. It's, the a, moon. it's a real thing. I'm not saying it's a good term. I'm just saying that it was a phrase that it was used. I feel it's a bad, it's battered wife syndrome, by the way. Go look it up. And it's serious. Let's move but, on. See, that's not uh, what yeah, you please. said, though. That's, yeah, that's not well, what he said at all. But but that's if, what he's the, well, he's justifying yeah. it now. He's trying to okay. dig himself out of the hole. As long as we're all, the three of us are aware, he dug himself in the hole. Oh, First we're, of all, we're I well added aware. clarity to this. God, I, I hate you. Let's move so on. Much. Um. So yeah, until now, headline man. headline on Kotaku tomorrow is going to be like, uh, slightly known <laughs> podcaster equivalates playing Doom to beating your wife. Come on, dude. <laughs> Have some respect. Three co-hosts uh, elevated to stardom. That's <laughs> true. That's true. It'll blow up. That tweet will. It'll blow up out of proportion, like uh, Colin Mariotti's tweet about um, that when he got in trouble for that Women's Day. Tweet, Let's move on. He got and then he got and then he got famous after. He got crazy famous after that. So he was on Joe Rogan. Who? Oh God. Oh God. Are we gonna go on Joe Rogan being the, crazy famous? That's the definition of famous. That's the oh, because yeah. honestly when you. That's the barometer when you said he of got, fame. When you said he got crazy famous, fame. my brain immediately went, what the fuck are you talking about? The barometer of fame is when you've been on the Joe Rogan podcast. That's when I know I've made it. Look, it's for someone in the... for someone. In, look, I know you guys are just trying to be haters, but I'm telling you this. All right, this is the... If you're a game, like a gaming writer or columnist or personality and you're on the joe rogan show which is like generally what? like the number one podcast and that is, you've that is made some big... questionable life choices yeah that's maybe, kind of where I'm maybe at. i'm not saying it's a good like did you guys ever bad popular did you guys ever see that uh that, like analogy people put the joe rogan's like a, a a traveled barbarian who's like learning about things from wizards but he's been doing it for so long he kind of knows about magic and he's starting to call them out on it Mm. Yes. Yes. And that's like right. uh, to Morgan's credit, I I will admit this. If Joe Rogan called got a hold of me tomorrow as publicist and is like, "Hey, uh Shay, we'd I would like love to, fly to be on Fear from Japan and have you on the podcast." I would do it in a fucking heartbeat <laughs> and I would tell all of my friends and family I was just on the Joe Rogan podcast happily. Am I proud I of it? Not necessarily, but did I do it? Yep. You wouldn't be real. You wouldn't be proud. I don't know if I would be. Show. It'd be depending on what the where the talk went because I know a lot of his fans. Because yeah, I, you were there. I have I have watched some of his podcasts and there are some of them that are actually really good and informative. Like I'll tell people and I'll swear till the day I die that there is an episode he does with a sleep scientist and it's probably the most informative podcast episode of anything I've ever listened to and it was super good. It was exactly what Rich was just describing. It was. A sleep scientist telling Joe Rogan all these super important things about sleep, and then Joe Rogan's being like, "Oh my God, wow, Jesus!" So do you want to smoke some weed? <laughs> you know, Joe wonder Joe wonder why sunrise. You tell Joe, right? So it would depend on where the conversation this, would go, but yeah, I would definitely man, tell my friends. I, and family. I, this really spiraled out of control. Uh, I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I take full responsibility for that somehow. Anyways, uh, yes, it's so far it's been an enjoyable throwback and just very weird tonally. Um, 
Anyways, let's get to some polls. That's a different noise. See, I didn't do. Yeah, it was just sort of a. What was that? It was Contra like that was like a bad version. Of thing? It was a ripoff of Sonic. Remember okay. the dun, 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 when you get an extra life? Yes. Um, and I'm gonna be no. honest with you. I like that a lot more than what you normally do. It's much more welcome. Cool. Yes, it was much better than that. Well, you love Sonic too, so. Well, but I think Two Sonic is does, just okay. Does Sonic even have extra lives? <laughs> Rich, I'm sure it does, but like you'd have to play the it game long enough to get lives. one to know that, I guess. Is you have to care. Ooh, <laughs> cutting old wounds deep, my friend. That's um, fair. All right. So, by the way, I just want to say for fun, uh, just because I always feel outnumbered on this podcast being a sane person. Um, yeah, that's what it last, is. Last week, Josh and Rich were telling me that I was crazy for thinking people that wouldn't know what Dwarf Fortress was. Uh, and he, somebody, Josh, compared it to knowing what hamburgers were. Um, Seventy and Rich agreed, so don't you dare. And seventy-five percent of our audience said they have no idea what the fuck Dwarf Fortress is. So thank you, uh, Josh. And I would like to announce our new Dwarf Fortress podcast, yeah. uh, Chomp Fortress. Uh, you can Chomp. join us every Thursday. <laughs> How many fucking Chomp. podcasts are we gonna have at this point? We have like twenty planned. I love it. In, infinite. Um, In the anyways, first episode, I reveal that I've never actually played Dwarf Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> but have you heard of it? That's all that matters. Um, no, it's, anyways, that's, the, um, that's the whole premise of the podcast. We've ne- never played it, but we just talk about Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I, I watched a stream. Shit seems wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you guys develop a 10-year yeah. podcast on it. Still never having played it through those 10 the, years. Still never played it. And the podcast well, never Well, we're saving that for the finale. Yeah. <laughs> we're saving that for the finale. We finally play it. Um, every Tuesday, you can vote on these polls on the at Swordchomp Instagram page, and we discuss the results. My large fish in a tiny cage kind of got me feeling like the Tiger King. And what? I was referring to Animal Crossing. Um, that wasn't a sexual metaphor. You, you keep your fish in cages? Um... You know what I mean. And there's a little picture of me with water my, all just of my fish. Just, 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 just a water cage. With <laughs> God. The... Oh, I hate you guys so much. <laughs> <With> bars. Why and... <laughs> 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 of my fish keep dying? And why is the floor soaking wet? <laughs> Not one person messaged me about that, but God willing, you guys find that right away, don't you? <laughs> no, you're right, Josh. They're tanks. They're not fucking cages. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyways, 70% of our audience said yes. Because in Animal Crossing, it is kind of sad. Your fish are like, they take up the whole tank. They have no room to swim well, around. I yeah. give them to Blathers where they'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Or I release I know, them back I into know. the wrong ecosystem knowing they'll die. <laughs> yeah. If you, I yeah, sell them to fish. someone who I, I know will probably give them a good home. I'm, that's, I'm sure that's what they're using them for. I, se- I sell them to a raccoon. Yeah. That's, he's he's got to be giving them a good home, right? That's Why else would he be? Buying all these fish from me. Well, every time I hand them to Timmy, Tommy proclaims, I sure do love me some fish guts. Mm. <laughs> that that meme did make me laugh with like the idea that you throw all your dead fish in that yeah. box and Timmy and Tommy open it up in the morning. To, to, <laughs> yeah, to it's pretty good. <laughs> and there's just a bunch of de- dead fish in there. 
And then they're just like, hey, I transferred you 9,000 bells. Never do that again. It's like, stop putting these in cages. Uh, that's just the things about that game that are funny. That's pretty much all the Animal Crossing time talk we'll really have time for is in the polls. But yeah, I've been having still playing the fuck out of that game. I had like an eight-hour bender one day, and it was just real dark. I take um, my Switch to work, and that's my lunch break now. There you go. Mm. Um... It's consumed my life. So 70% of audience said yes. Speaking of the Tiger King, that was one of the polls because I was, I finally got, look, Rich was talking about it. I know we were joking about it. Josh watched an episode or so with his wife. My wife watched it without me. I, I've watched about half of it. It's so um, good. It's so fucking weird. It's, yeah, I thought, man, it's, it's, it's unlike anything you've ever seen and it's all real and Wow. I mean, as a biologist, Shay, like, I got to tell you, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it is fascinating from, like, just the, like, the wildlife standpoint, like, how they're treated, how they were, like, in the first episode, somebody gets their fucking hand. I don't know. I don't want to get Oh, you're concerned about the humans? I'm, no, I'm not concerned about anything. Well, uh, no, I am concerned about the animals. <laughs> even the lady, that retraction the is fucking amazing. <laughs> we need that as a voice clip for all the time. I don't care about anything. Oh, wait, like, I, I don't yeah, care I do. about it. Uh, uh, yeah, obvious, obviously, I care about the <laughs> well-being of the animals. <laughs> well, <laughs> just edit that in there. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, even the lady who takes care of uh, Carol Baskin, who people assume may have... It's very suspicious, Shay. I know you haven't seen it, but this is rich lady who they're basically warring tiger people. Don't spoil and, it for um, me because I will I will watch it at some point. It's not a spoiler, okay. but the every like literally without watching it, you would know that Carol Baskin's husband just go on Twitter and you'll disappeared. Know. Yeah, her husband just disappeared, and that's why I was asking our audience if they thought that she killed her because that's the joke running around is that everyone thinks that she killed her husband, fed him to the tigers, and then took the money. Well, I don't know if so. you saw, but OJ finally weighed in, and he says Carol definitely killed her husband, and he <laughs> would know. Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> that's so an expert has finally weighed in. Yes, an expert. <laughs> Like, just saying, he's like, oh, for the record, Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. And just everybody's like, really, my guy? Hmm. <sighs> Seems yeah, like that... you wouldn't want to draw attention to this. Yeah. On it, like, yeah. I don't even know. There's really no, where do you start with something like this? That show is the reason it's so popular is because it's literally you could not write. Well, because show that every is, uh, episode think... ends with you going, how could this get crazier? And yeah. it succeeds no. every time. It's no, the show is basically it's always sunny, but with rednecks. Yeah. And uh, somehow they're real. And it really and not, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that that's just your way of trying to get Shay to watch it. Just well, bring I, it no, that's that's sunny. it. That's <laughs> I, I I recently saw I mean that is I the imagine... that is the biggest glowing endorsement I've heard so far. What I what I saw somebody recently say, and I think this is actually the best representation of why it's so insane. It's like any other sort of reality show that like hits something like this. It's typically like them going, "Hey, did you break the law? Did you do something crazy?" And like, no, no, I never broke the law. It never happened. But in Tiger King, they're like, "Hey, Joe Exotic, did you break the law?" He's like, "Yeah, you damn right, I broke the fucking law. I'll shoot that bitch in the head if I have to." <laughs> <laughs> like, and he and he literally, like, you think. He's just a character, but, like, he will literally... He's very aware of who he is, and he wants to, like, sell that. So he's just like, uh, yeah, I'm a gay redneck who owns tigers. It's who I am. You know, he's just like... That it's, one it's, lawyer who's, kind of like, he... Uh, or it was, oh, I'm sorry, it was the guy who produced his sh his internet show. Yeah, when oh, he's like, He was, guy. like, a, a character of myth, like, come to life. 
Yeah, that guy was he's he's done nothing but reality TV shows his whole life, and he said he had never seen anything a million times close to what that fucking dude was. And it yeah, and the things that happen get weirder and weirder. But without we can't do spoilers because Shay will probably try it and he will become obsessed. Do a chomping after dark for a We should we should do a chomping after dark for the tight. Hundred percent. Oh my god. I'm really pissed. I, I just realized. You all let me forget about my epiphany about Doom Eternal. I'm disappointed in you. Oh, we did. Oh, we, really, we, we rattled on for a while, and we didn't even get to the epiphany. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm pretty angry. No, that's okay. Um, so I, uh, for, like you I told you, had you guys, epiphany for, about forgetting your epiphany? So for a few rounds, I was playing Apex Legends yesterday with uh, Matt and Cy, and like I, I don't usually go straight from game to game, like a shooting game to a shooting game or a platformer to a platformer, so on and so forth. And I was playing Apex Legends yesterday. I was like, fuck, this game is super slow. Like super slow in comparison <laughs> to Doom. I just I realized just how fast paced Doom and Doom Eternal are when I uh, switch to a different shooter. And it was really interesting because... Normally, I'm pretty subpar when it comes to Apex Legends or other shooting games of that nature, like competitive online. And I went in and I like had the reflexes I have always wanted in that game. I was whipping around, <laughs> dude. I like, like first game in, I I got kills. Like I was doing really well, and I was like, I just need to play Doom Eternal or Doom 2016 for training in mm-hmm. order to get Tra- good. Just yeah. play a few levels before you jump into a round of any competitive shooter. Dude, for real, because like I was, I was on it. Like, granted, in Doom Eternal, I think there's a little bit, a tiny bit of aim assist with that. I do believe not a lot, but I think there's a tiny bit of aim assist there, uh, and there's not as much with Apex. But man, like, was I on fire in the two games I played? <laughs> it felt good. I was like, all right, this is this is good training regimen. Go play Doom Eternal, play on a hard difficulty, and then go play one of the shooting games you normally play. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. That is that is very. I will say this also. Going back and trying to play Doom 2016, even though I love that game dearly, it feels way different than slower than Doom Eternal. Because in Doom Eternal, you're dashing and flying everywhere, and in Doom 2016, I'm like, oh shit, I I'm like normal Doom. This this game felt fast, but after playing Doom Eternal, I, objectively, it feels much slower. So yeah, the, the movement in Doom Eternal. I don't mean to bring it back up. Is just great. So that's the one thing I want to say about that. Makes you feel fast, man. Which is funny that in those old Doom games, you can put the auto run on all the time, and you just—that's the closest you can get to just running everywhere in those old Doom games, and just feeling kind of like it's you know, like a hot knife through butter, as I might say. Anyways, ninety percent of our audience does think Carol Baskin killed her husband. That bitch. Um, well, I mean, would Joe Exotic <laughs> have written a country song about it if she didn't? <laughs> God, his country songs. Oh, and he drives around listening to his own music, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, as a musician, I'm not going to say I've never listened to my songs. Well, in, on that, the always, that always makes uh, me think of there's an old Aziz Ansari joke from one of his bits where he talks about getting in a car with Kanye West. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got in and Kanye's album was playing. And I'm like, is this you? And he just turns to me and he goes, yeah, man, these beats are dope. <laughs> Oh, just, what, which comedian was that? Was that Aziz Ansari? Yeah, I love that bit. Yes, um, that's yeah, that's 
that seems like a Kanye thing to do. So 90% of our audience do think that she murdered him. Well, yeah, maybe we'll do a Chow Me After Dark uh, about the Tiger King. There, there is a rumor going around that there would be like a gender bend uh, movie version of Joe Exotic played by Margot Robbie, which is kind of cool. Um, Apparently he wants either Brad Pitt or David Spade to play him. (laughs) Of course course he does. No, no. What a weird jump off. (laughs) Brad Pitt or David Spade. (laughs) I can can definitely see one of those. I'm all in for David Spade playing Joe Exotic. That (laughs) seems like, oh my God. I cannot believe. That show just is one of the few things that leaves me speechless. It really does. Uh, all right. Uh, so the Tiger King. Apparently, people don't binge it though. I don't know. I think our audience was kind of lying about that. Because I asked them if they binged it, and like sixty percent. of Oh, them said, I binged the hell out. I could not mm, put that shit no. down. I'm like, really? Maybe people. I don't know. I'm not. Just I'm be not a honest binger. with us. I'm my my the way I watch Netflix. I don't know about you guys. Is I do like a show or two a night because I like to space it out. I like the drip feed. Yep. I also like to um, like I'll watch an episode or two of something before I go to sleep, just because it kind of puts me in a different headspace than like gaming or whatever yep yeah i like to i like to fix netflix's oh you have to binge all this bullshit by by not and i'm just watching a variety of stuff because i i mean i recently found the netflix random button so i'm pretty excited Mm. about that yeah because like i I had to go in and fix carol and tuesday because they decided to release that in batches instead of weekly like it was supposed to be uh bastards yeah why? Why? Why would? It, why do they insist on doing that nonsense? But uh, anyway, yeah. What happened to the? I mean, yeah. It's. I get the the whole binge culture, and I was just trying to find a way to. I, there's so many questions or things to ask people when it comes to that show. I couldn't think of anything really. I got kind of stuck there because there was just too many. Um, so I went with the binging, but like afterwards, I was like, "Man, I wish I would have asked something else." But it's hard to ask things without it being too spoilery either. So I was just like, "Fuck, I don't know." Just it's like when we start started to talk about it, and our minds went a million different directions. So hang on for our Patreon. Uh, if you go to our Patreon and you sign up, you'll maybe get that Chomping After Dark episode. Make that happen. Um, what a show. Anyways, uh, the elusive stringfish is a giant. Oh, man, some people got this wrong, and some people that I was surprised got this wrong. Were some uh, people you? N- well, I made the question, so I knew the answer. It would have been pretty sad if I also still got it wrong. It's not, it's not out of the question that that would happen. Um, the elusive stringfish is a giant fish in Animal Crossing that's very difficult to catch. It became a meme because people would like make like 60 things of bait and just have trouble catching it. Um, I caught mine within like three pieces of bait, so I feel like an asshole. But you are an but, asshole. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very it's worth like fifteen thousand bells, and you can only catch it up on the mountain uh, cliffs in the river section of the game. Between high a, elevation river, between a certain time of day, I believe nine. Well, PM. it's after four p.m. It's a nighttime fishy. Yes, it's a nighttime fishy. Uh, anyways, uh, I stumped got Shay on this one. We stumped you, Shay. The elusive stingfish is a giant salmon, or is it a giant trout? It is a giant salmon. Salmon. You stumped me on what? Did I vote on that? Yeah, you voted trout. Oh, I don't even remember. I might have accidentally pressed the button because I was trying to just swipe past that because I was like, I don't give a fuck about Animal Crossing. So I might have accidentally clicked on something to swipe past it. But yeah, this is not. This is not for, we could just. 
<laughs> Josh, are you not buying the swiping excuse? Um, I feel like if anyone should be a master of swiping at this point, it's going to be Shay. I I don't I don't buy the. Uh, oh That's no, fine. you don't I have to buy it. I don't really give a fuck what you think. Incorrectly, uh, I I don't give a fuck what you think. I don't. No, like I don't. Am- I know. I believe. I believe the Animal Crossing bit, but the the whole lack of understanding the delicate art of the swipe. I, oh, okay. I, I I'm not buying that. That's where your story falls yeah, apart. Yeah, it, oh, it really okay. falls okay. apart. Well, to be honest with you, I don't remember that fucking poll. So I saw Animal Crossing, and I tried swiping. <laughs> Jeez. Past you know, gotta be real with you. I drink a lot. That's so negative. <laughs> I put that poll in there for you because it was a biology-related question. Now I'm hurt. I'm actually well, hurt. Well, don't you feel foolish. Oh, jeez. Well, the... Uh, Sorry. The real name of- Sorry, hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's restart that. Oh, fuck. You got me. Oh, man. I, I, was, I was really focused on that poll. Um, I paid a lot of attention, as I always do. I look at all your polls with excruciating detail. I want to make sure I get every ounce of joy out of it for the, the amount of work that you put in. And so when I saw this poll about Animal Crossing, I was like, boy, do I love Animal Crossing. And I love animals. So I'm going to thoroughly read this think about the question crossing personally Mm. think about the question for a long amount of time and then answer it to the best of my ability that's a better that's a that's an improvement josh you take two Mm. um i actually did think it was a trout to be honest like a giant lake trout or something like that um just from the way its mouth is kind of shaped and the, this kind of speckly design it has. See, that's how you answer the question about being a jerk. If you, uh, <clears throat> um, if but... you, Morgan, if you ask me a question about <laughs> what type of fish I think it was, I'd tell you what I tell Blathers all the time. I'm kind of busy right now. Oh, no. Hmm. I guess I'm the only one that cares. Anyways, it's a critically uh, endangered salmon that mostly inhabits um, middle reaches, lakes and rivers that are like, it's Russia. And Japan. I believe those are the only places that it's found right now. Hmm. Um, and I believe it was Eastern uh, Russia and Japan. That so, would make sense. Sharing cr- an ocean <laughs> and all. Um, I guess. Just, I was just reading it. I don't know. Anyways, yes. Critically endangered, which is He doesn't know where sad. Russia is. It makes sense that they'd make it real. I... I <laughs> let me get a map. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I... <laughs> no, it's definitely a Pacific salmon. It just goes the long way around to get to Russia. Well, but it's, yeah. I guess I was thinking about if it inhabits like the lakes and the rivers, and I, I wasn't thinking it would have much to do with, you know, being the ocean. This is the type of salmon that like there's a small Fresh colony waters. after they like ford the Alaskan River when they go upstream on that really arduous journey. They actually, a few of them like f- take this like backstream path and they dump out into the ocean and they swim all the way to Japan. All the way there. That's amazing. Yeah. They're they're an impressive subspecies of salmon. Yeah. They're wow. the the only only salmon to actually invent the salmon cannon cannon themselves on their uh the salmon cannon was a tough one right in a row, wasn't yeah, it? It salmon was salmon cannon. Salmon cannon. <laughs> yeah. Salmon, damn it! (laughs) Salmon, Cameron, damn it! That's got to be the name of like a fucking superhero or some kind of like comic book hero. Salmon, Cameron, pow! Breaks into the room. I actually hope 
uh, I have to make a call to pitch my idea for a new X-Man, Salmon Cannon. Mm. Uh, he has the ability to fire Salmon from his hands. <laughs> I mean, I think you'd want to call the Avengers. Don't they pretty much take anybody? Hey. Oh, it, uh, the X-Men like pretty much have to villain, take... Rich, there's no, like, I, there's no the um, guy who would spit bees at you? Okay, <gasps> n- nano machines. Um, that's the answer to everything. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't uh, mean to interrupt you. I just got excited about the idea of a Metal Gear villain shooting no, salmon out right. of his hands. Uh, I was saying, I don't think uh, the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters has um, like an entrance exam, so I think the X-Men do pretty much have to take everybody. I mean, one, one of those two teams had a guy with a bow and arrow. So, yeah, uh, but like he was really good with the bow and arrow. <laughs> so was Legolas, but that was, you know, a thousand years yeah, ago. Yeah, and he got to like hang out with Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> who was fat and short and infinitely what is hap- more what is happening right we're now? talking about lord of the rings <laughs> as we always should do you want to talk, talk about do... a goddamn salmon right. we should do well, a lord about of the rings the chomping after dark she i would love that what i was just gonna say is what i i'm i'm, I'm done Morgan i'm done i can't do this anymore <laughs> Um, he can watch the, the movies. He can well, do no, the no. We would tell him to read the book, scenes. and he'd just watch the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. The final poll had to do with the Resident Evil Three remake. I said, "Hey, the Resident Evil Three remake is sandwiched between Doom, Animal Crossing, and the Final Fantasy VII remake. Do you think this will hurt sales, or I'm still grabbing it?" Sixty percent of our audience said, "I think it will hurt sales," and forty percent said they are still grabbing it. Also, for the record. The reviews for this game are particularly low compared to Resident Evil 2, which was a game of the year candidate and had like a 90-something Metacritic. Um, but like, I, I was surprised. I thought for sure that the... I didn't expect the reviews for this one to be the same because Resident Evil 3 doesn't have that reverence that 2 does, but it's, you know... Anyways, Rich started it and I played the demo, so uh, that would be a fun way to end the yeah, show. Yeah, I'm like uh, two hours in at this point. You said it opened in a very uh, kind of shocking way with the... Oh, okay. So I don't remember if this is in the original game, uh, but it's straight up like FMV, like live action uh, shots on the opening. Uh, and it is a message from the CDC. And it felt too real right now because it was like the CDC talking about how this pandemic is spreading faster than any disease in known history. And like, you're like, sure it is. And I was like, did I put the fucking news on by accident? And, I, and then there was a zombie. So I was like, oh, wait, no, never mind. It, it There are games. Timing is a real thing. Like the tone of this game subconsciously, maybe, who knows? That's a psychological question we can ask down the road. But also because of it being Resident Evil 3 and then right now everyone's playing Animal Crossing, Doom, and getting ready for Final Fantasy 7, I do believe that the timing here has been... Like, I, Resident Evil 2 was in my top five games of the year last year, and I'm not even particularly mentally excited about I, this game right now. I, I'm, I'm, I was still pretty hyped for it. Um, if I had more time, I probably would have tried to replay 2 before this. Um, in a I weekend, just, right? I, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Resident Evil 2 especially, I, I can clear that in uh, like four hours. If you know what you're true. doing, those runs are quick. That's true. It's very true. I, th- I think what's going to fall to the wayside more, even more so than this game is Neo 2. Like, nobody's fucking playing that game. Oh, I feel yeah, so bad right. because it the was first one is so good. A follow-up to Neo, which was <laughs> Josh, only okay. <laughs> hey, Rich you think so too, Neo Rich? Guy. You think it was only okay? 
You sound I, sad. You're to be you to be totally fair with you, Shay. I feel like I did not give that game enough time. Um, and I kind of walked away from it, going like, "This is a pretty good Souls like," but I I don't honestly remember what it launched around that year because I remember feeling pretty overwhelmed with games that around uh, that time. Horizon Zero Dawn had just come out at around the same time, so I think that was the probably one of the big reasons and. We we had seen recently the slew of shooters that we talked about last week, like Infinite Warfare, Battlefield One, um, Titanfall Two. Yeah, there were a ton of games that released around that same area, so I could see that. And I would say, and I, uh, I would say, if, I'll play Neo Two, just not immediately. Right, same, same. And I think with uh, before Sekiro had released, I would say that. Um, the first Neo had the best combat system out of any of the Souls-esque games until Sekiro came out. Oh, I still think I like Bloodborne a lot Bloodborne, more. Bloodborne, yeah, Bloodborne. I, I love Bloodborne's no. combat system, but I still think Neo's was a little bit better. But that's a conversation for a different day. No, that's, I think it's down to personal preference at that point. Yeah. Isn't everything down to personal preference at that point? Uh, no, no. Sometimes, you're, sometimes you're just wrong, Morgan. <laughs> Not my personal preference, of course. Definitely. Adults are talking. <laughs> I just, I love those, I'm not like ragging on you, we all say that I stuff, know, but yeah. I, I love the idea where it's like, eh, you know, it's all down to personal preference, as is everything we'll ever discuss on this show. Uh, no, You know, like when you're a kid and it's like, it, like I, if I were a teacher, I would love to give that opportunity to a kid where I'm like really inviting and I'm like, come on, speak up, no wrong answers, and then the minute they speak, I'm like, except for that, that's fucking wrong. <laughs> nope. Yes. Yeah, it yeah, just happens exactly. sometimes when you're in the crows of love. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was so excited for that. I was. How do you get that? Nice way um, to start the day. That's Rich, how was your how was your first two hours with Resident Evil Three briefly so far? Uh, I'm really liking it. It is 100% more of what RE2 remake was. Uh, just telling the story of Resident Evil Three. Um, you know, I forgot how early shit hits the fan in Resident Evil 3. Poor, poor Brad. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm pretty much that the area that the demo takes place in is the, the first area. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty much clear of that. I got the subway working and I'm on my way out and I'm fairly confident I got everything I needed in there. I got the hidden shotgun upgrades. I got into the safe in that area. Uh... Uh, it it feels good. Uh, I actually got a trophy early on. I didn't expect to get this early. Um, if you're playing conservatively, you can kind of stockpile a few grenades in that starting area. Mm-hmm. And there's a trophy for you know taking down Nemesis, like you know hurting him enough to stop him, uh, for a while. And the first time Nemesis popped up on me, I immediately just lobbed two grenades at him, and <laughs> just got the fuck out of there. I, I yeah I feel like I just had a bad luck thing because I as soon as I opened that door and saw him I had a grenade in my hand and everything and I just threw it but he ran right at me and clubbed me and I was dead in one hit it was he tragic. is faster than Mr X and he will take you down if you're not careful I I'm torn on this one Rich because right from the get go it's it seemed very action paced and like I've played all of these games and I felt like I was having a hell of a time like some. You know, it's the same thing where sometimes three shots seems to put him down in the head, and then sometimes it's like, wow, this guy keeps getting up. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the weirdly bullet spongy nature of it. But it looks um, like, oh my God, it looks really oh, it looks incredible. So good. Uh, like uh, just Jill's face. I was like, good Lord Almighty. 
and I I don't think you're wrong. I think it definitely feels a little. And here's the thing: I think Resident <laughs> Evil Two gets really actiony, like in the last forty percent. I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I think this kind of starts like full tilt all the way there. But I that's weird though, right? Because this this is where it started. I think this game will was signifying a little bit of confusion for them with what to do because four was a massive shift. I mean, a Code Veronica before that, but um, I feel like you can tell there's a philosophical confusion. Uh, with with how much action and how to lean into it. At least that's what I'm sensing from it so far. Um, because I didn't play three as a kid, uh, mm-hmm. so I don't have the nostalgia. But that's just kind of what you know. It's an interesting game because it's right in between two, which was legendary, and four is legendary in a different way. And Code Veronica's kind of lost time, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. But you're digging it. You're enjoying it. Yeah. So far, so far, I'm really into it, and it's probably something i'm going to spend the weekend digging into rushing it yeah i i'm excited to play just be eventually because i never played three so i want to see what it's like to play one of those games without the nostalgia you know without the reverence but anyways uh we'll see how the timing is our audience thinks that it might be in a little bit of trouble but then again you know people are kind of stuck inside right now so who knows games are neat they're also out of work so that probably doesn't help yeah indeed um, and sorry, I got a lot of comments about The Last of Us 2 being canceled, but I just, the show's been so long, I'm so sorry, I couldn't really get to him today. Um, I was just trying to find a way to get the audience involved, but, you know, it was a bloated show, coming up by like three hours here, so, um, just so We love that to word today. We do. Um, three, you know, a lot of threads to, uh, to tie up. Uh, anyways, let's get out of here. Remember, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash swordchomp. Chomp Nation, we would love to have you part of the family. Help us keep us alive. You can follow us on Twitter at Swordchomp on Twitter. Shay runs that, does a great job at Swordchomp on Instagram. And uh, of course, just shoot us a message on any of our platforms and we'd be happy to talk to you, meet you if you have any questions. But anyways, we need to get the hell out of here. Um, I want to thank Josh for being here from Michigan, Rich from New York, Shay from Japan, of course. I am here from Montana. And I'm sure I forgot something important, but we'll see you next week on an all-new 